Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Big Apple Hockey. And it is exciting to be back and talking about hockey. Hopefully, we'll be able to talk some hockey. Uh, are we, we going to have the games this week? I mean, after all, that would be nice to actually see a game. I, of course, am Mark Williams, your host, and uh, just per perpetually under the weather. I have no idea what's going on with me. And I'm joined by the good, the bad, the ugly host, Mr. John Falkowski. Yeah, uh, welcome back to hockey. I, I feel like I should be walking into like some sort of doctor's office to get my fix for Rangers hockey because it's been too long. No, no more cancellations, please. We already got a like. Yes. Thank All you. right, we got a like already. <laughs> and, and of course, fresh from the clinic to make sure that he's he's COVID negative, Mr. Anthony Laraco. <laughs> well, the Islanders aren't quite COVID free, but the uh, the game is on for tomorrow, and they were back on the ice today, so uh, we'll see them tomorrow take on the Sharks. Yeah, which is a good thing just to get back onto the ice because that is our lead story for this week. I still kind of laugh about it because Anthony said a couple weeks ago, hey, why don't you talk more about the Islanders? We need to talk more about the Islanders, put them in the lead. Well, they've been the lead story the last three weeks. So the Islanders had two games postponed at the Rangers and at Philadelphia uh, due to the COVID protocol. They're going to be resuming their season tomorrow hosting the San Jose Sharks, who just beat the New Jersey Devils 5-2. to two. Uh, They have lost eight straight, the most under the Barry Trotz era. Been shut out three times. Uh, you know, I love to see goal differential as, as one of the stats. They're minus 20. And they're second to last in goals per game and last in goals scored. Anthony, got to go to you. What do the Islanders need to do to turn their season around? Um, string together and like, you know, four or five wins in a row, get a, get some good mojo back. But, um, first the, the COVID issue, um, you know, as you mentioned, the league finally did the right thing and postponed their games through the, through the 30th, which was yesterday. Um, but looking back on it, um, the consensus is the league dropped the ball there. Um, I mean, I get, I get playing the home opener at UBS arena, but, you know, the, the day before the UBS arena, Lee and Johnston went into COVID protocol, um, which Bailey had already been in it for a couple of days prior before they left Florida. And then the day of the home opener, you're talking Beauvillier, Pellick, uh, and Green went into COVID protocol. Uh, and then the next day, Chara and Bellows. Um, and they just let them – they just continue to let them play the game against the Maple Leafs. Um, and they let them play the game against the, the Rangers. Uh, you know, it, it just – in the game against the Penguins too. It, it just – it shouldn't – they shouldn't have took place. I think, you know, you're talking, you know, could have been three, three or four games they could have postponed. That's, you know, three or four less losses. Um, you know, at this point, you know, every point matters. So I think the league dropped the ball there uh, for sure. Um, and you know, like I mentioned, they still have for tomorrow, Casey Zizekas is going to be unavailable. He's in COVID protocol. Um, and Kiefer Bellows and Zdeno Char are still in COVID protocol as well. But, uh, thankfully, uh, Lee and Pellick, Bailey, Green, um, they're all, they're all out of protocol and available for tomorrow. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been a disastrous stretch for them. Uh, you know, hopefully this, this break or hiatus, uh, with some guys coming back, will you know re-energize them. Um, but yeah, they need they need to win some hockey games. 
uh, and hopefully having Pellick back and Lee and Bailey, et cetera, um, you know, will will help them out. Um, but I mean, look, Mark, you 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 put some stats at the bottom there before. Um, clearly, none of them are good. But the one thing that I, you know, am, am you know, kind of, oh, I shouldn't say astonished by, but impressed by, is that, um, you know, Ilya Sorokin has a 9.28 save percentage, playing playing behind this bad team right now. Um, you know, while Simeon Varlamov has a point eight eighty one. Um, so that just goes to show, uh, you know, how good Ilya Sorokin has been. Uh, that last game they played before they got shut down, they got shut out one nothing by Pittsburgh. Um, you know, he was nothing short of spectacular. Just the team couldn't give him any goal support. Um, you know, it's 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 honestly quite ridiculous. But um, you know, like I said, you know, they they just need to win some games, get the good feeling back in the locker room, uh, give some belief there. But it all starts with one win. You you win tomorrow against San Jose. Um, you know, and, and you go from there. Like Trot said, this is a big hole they dug themselves, uh, but they got to get out one game at a time. And I was just going to say that our playoffs are now, um, you know, he's right. Uh, it's not insurmountable. I mean, look, at the, the Blues won the Stanley Cup being the worst team in the league in January. Not saying that's going to happen again, but the point is um, there still is plenty of time where if they if they start winning hockey games now, they can get back in the wild card race. Um, you know, they, they do have the talent to do so, but guys are going to get, got to get their heads out of their asses. I mean, Kyle Palmieri, um, has one goal. Um, Zach Frise has no goals. Uh, Pajot, who I thought has been one of their best consistent players since acquired, um, hasn't looked right since, you know, he got injured in the conference final. Um, you know, Matt Barzell needs to put up better numbers, uh, it's really you could go on and on. Really, the the only player I would say players is Pellick, who you know went out with COVID, and really Ilya Sorokin. I would say those are really their only two consistently good players the whole season. Um, Wallstrom was looks like he was heading that direction in the beginning of the year, but he kind of you know he's like everyone else. He's you know snake bit right now, but they just need all the guys pulling on the same rope. Also, Brock Nelson had a couple of games where he was showing. I should, yeah, I should have mentioned Brock Nelson. But, Brock Nelson right, I mean, has been has been really good before he got hurt. I mean, six of his goals came in two games, so yeah. that's that's something to also keep in mind. Um, Filk, is it just that simple? The Islanders just need to get healthy and be home to play games, and that's going to change things. I don't know. I, I mean. For a Barry Trotz team, I don't see the same attention to detail on defense and the same effort that I've seen in the three previous seasons under Barry Trotz right now. Um, I, I think it has something to do with the personnel. I, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that Nick Letty is is obviously not there anymore. That That's a solid top four defenseman. I know he isn't the defender he was, I would say, even four or five years ago but he's still a solid top four option for them. Uh, I would say that it's also missing Ryan Pollock, who's your probably your 1A, 1B defender, really your 2A guy. I know Adam Pollock's really a shutdown guy on that pairing, but Ryan Pollock is a guy that's also another heart and soul type guy. That pairing is the sum of its parts, like I've said for a while now, and they're one of the best pairings in the league. So when you take away one of those parts – you're going to drastically affect that pairing, which drastically affects that team in the way that its defense is set up. On top of that, like Anthony said, you're not getting goal scoring from Kyle Palmieri. 
And I know Islander fans don't want to hear this because he's gone. There's nothing you can do about it. But losing Jordan Eberle has really hurt. It really has. And I, like I said, it would. It, it, you're going you're gonna to take away a guy that's going to score you 20 to 25 goals and anywhere from 50 to 60 points a season. And he fit right in with Matt Barzell, who looks like he's kind of lost out there, to tell you the truth. Like, he looks like he's passing. He, look, he looks like he's trying to do too much to make plays to guys that – really aren't in the right spots for him. Something's just not right with him. Something's not right with Palmieri. Nelson, I know he had nine goals, but like you said, six of them came in two games. And Nelson was playing very well. I'm not, yes. not going to take anything away from Nelson. He was playing very well. But this team just clearly isn't the same team they were last year or the year before. And I, I think that they need a score. They need another defenseman. I think that they're going to have to make moves sooner than later. And I know Lou Lamorello has been very good and not overpaying, but if he wants to save this season, if I were him, I would look to make a move sooner than later. I know they have over 60 games left, but you don't want to waste time and you don't want to keep piling up losses. So make a move, get, get the locker room morale back to where it should be in there. And the Islanders can probably then start stringing together you know, even if you're not getting five wins in a row, let's just say you're winning four out of every five games from here on out. Now that, that could get them into the playoffs and that's what they need. They need to be consistent every night. And I haven't seen that. Anthony's right though. Ilya Sorokin, <clears throat> if it's not for him, they are, they're behind Arizona. If it's not for Ilya Sorokin. Yeah, that that's, that's very alarming to think about because this is a team that I predicted to be in the Stanley cup finals and um, just just I'm not trying to make Anthony or any other Islander feel bad right now uh, or fan. I mean, but right now, Michael delzato has got two goals on the season and Pajot won. Uh, Paul Mary won. He's got to be better. He'd be he'd be tied for Cal Clutterbuck on sixth for the Islanders. So um, then we have 10 goal scorers on the season. That's not good either. They no. need to start getting the puck and putting it in the net. Yes, it could just be as simple as getting healthy. But by the way, this might be a blessing in disguise for the Islanders because now you're realizing Sebastian Ajo should be up. Um, uh, Robin Salo should be Robin in Salo's the lineup. Good. What? Robin Salo's been good. I, I thought he yeah. was really good in the Penguins game. I thought his first game he was all right. But the Penguins game I thought he was pretty damn good in. Um, Ajo's been all right. But you know what? If you're, if you're getting – if those two can go out there and be not noticeable. Sometimes as a defenseman, not being noticed and not and not showing up on the score sheets, sometimes it's just an indicator that you're doing your job properly. And sometimes that's more than enough, especially from two guys that don't have a lot of experience like them. So I, I, I've been impressed so far. Anthony? Well, if you look at the next four games, um, I know Detroit's a much improved team this year, and, and even San Jose – um, it's, it's, it's Chicago, six and four in their last yeah day. and even San Jose is a lot better than people expect them to be but um this four game stretch is something ho- they should be able to capitalize on because you know Chicago and Ottawa aren't good teams um you know and San Jose and Detroit while being you know much improved from last year they they should still be winnable games for the Islanders so this is a stretch here where they could really get themselves feeling good about themselves again so um, you know, this, this is their opportunity now. Um, like they just have to, if they could just hold the fourth down until Brock Nelson comes back and probably, you know, hopefully two more weeks and then Ryan Pollock, maybe, maybe in another month, um, you know, and then go from there once they're fully healthy. But I think for now, 
Um, you gotta you gotta go with Ilya Sorokin. I mean, you look at Varlamov's numbers and they just aren't there right now. Um, you know, I, I said on Twitter a couple of days ago, if Sorokin was playing for one of the better teams in the league right now, can you imagine how much better his numbers would be? Um, if he if he wasn't playing on a, a team that's underperforming right now, so you gotta go with him and you gotta get you gotta do something to get Matt Barzell going. I know. Due to COVID, a lot of players are unavailable. But Richard Ponick on the first line with Barzell the last couple of games isn't no. isn't going to help him get out no. of his funk. Um, and, and you know no. what? Maybe you go with Golashev and see what you got. I mean, maybe it gives you a spark plug, something. Well, I, I you know I, I thought um, last game he was definitely going to play with more guys in COVID, but he didn't. And then um, Brian Compton actually asked Trotz about it in the post game, um, and he said that Golashev. Uh, he felt that he hasn't he hasn't proved he hasn't proved it yet at this level. Well, he hasn't played an NHL game yet. So how do you expect him to prove anything if you don't play him? I mean, the guy's a 26 year old veteran who played in the KHL, which is the best league outside of the NHL, and scored. And he was and he was producing at the AHL level. So I don't you're you're gonna play you're gonna play an AHL scrub of a journeyman and Andy Andreoff over than Anatoly Golishev when you need goals. I mean, what's the worst that can happen at that point? I, I don't understand it. And and now that Lee and Bailey and all those guys are back, he's definitely not going to play now. So, listen, for now, just Lee being back with back with Barzell, uh, that's definitely better than Panic. Um, but you need to try something. Put Wallstrom on the top line at Barzell. He needs to juggle the lines around um, and see if he can, you know, find some, find some magic. Uh, look, I actually thought about this, you know, being that Seattle is a bad team right now, I wondered about if, if Lou could like call up Seattle and and ask about reacquiring Jordan Eberle because Seattle's not going anywhere. Um, it can't it can't hurt to try, uh, but because this chemistry is missing there. But um, look, they simply need to win hockey games uh, and do it now. So um, you know, just before I, before before we even think about moving on to the next segment, I made this comparison. Um, the Islanders are basically Voltron, and they need all the pieces to come together to form a, a mighty robot to uh, take on the world or the monsters that are around them. Uh, I actually said it was first-generation Voltron. It was a, I think it was 22 vehicles. That's to show how old I am. And uh, there's not just the five lions, but we'll just go with the five lions. That's the one everybody knows. But, yeah. I mean – I, and I think that's what happens when you lose a guy like, say, Jordan Everly or Nick Letty. Like, they were, they knew, everybody knew their role, everything was set. And then once everybody has to figure out what they're going to be, sometimes it just throws teams um, for a loop. And the funny part is, we're going to cover that in a second with the Rangers. But- you know what? I, I actually, I just saw this one, and I want to bring this up because I, I want Anthony to address this. Lucas asks, at what point in the season, if it continues like this for the Isles, do they perhaps admit that the window is start or closed or starting to close and they start selling? Do you, can you see that? Well, actually, Arthur Staple, who I'm sure you guys know is transitioning to the Rangers as well, he did an Isles mailbag today, and a lot of people asked him questions. That, you know, if it continues like this, could you see Lou selling? Um, and he basically said, you know, he doesn't. He doesn't think Lou is. He's even thinking like that right now. He said, "Yeah, by come February or March, um, if it looks like they're out of it, m- maybe he. You know, maybe he tries to sell a piece like Varlamov, um, Josh Bailey. But he said more so. He thinks those are off-season moves. Um, so it doesn't seem like 
that the Islanders will be doing much selling, even if that does happen. Um, I think they, they might view this as, you know, for instance, the, the Lightning, after getting close around like 2014, 2015, there was the one year where they didn't make the playoffs and then they kind of just retooled and they came back stronger the next year. So I think it's, if the Islanders ultimately don't make the playoffs, I think they're just going to chalk this up to just a bad year um, and then come back next year fresh and hope to get back to the level where they're at. You know, a lot of their guys are are signed long-term, have recently signed long-term, like Palmieri, um, Pajot. They're not going anywhere. Brock Nelson shouldn't go anywhere. I mean, he's he's a fixture on this team. I was about to say, didn't he term. just sign? What? Didn't he just sign? He signed the first year after Lamorella was there. He re-signed. I was about to say, I know that he's got, he's yeah. got a bunch of term left on his deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically they don't really have anybody to like Bailey Varlamov for the really only realistic category, uh, really realistic players that kind of like Staple mentioned, but he didn't really see that happening. He thinks Lou's just going to, he's going to see what happens here in the next couple of weeks, see if they can get back into it. Um, if they do, then he's going to look to buy. Um, but otherwise he's, he's not going to be in a hurry to sell anybody off. Probably got some minor deals with Parise and Chara because uh, they're unexpired. I don't even know if anybody. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know. But but I mean, they're talking. You're talking about like not that much of value. And uh, but yeah, per, uh, Josh Bailey would be the one guy along with Varlamov. And by the way, hold on a minute. The phone's ringing. Yeah, Ken Holland. Yeah, we know you guys need a goaltender. Hold on a minute. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, but then again. He's like, oh, Ken Holland's going to say, oh, hold on. I got it off Chicago on the line. Oh, yeah, that's how much for Flurry. So that's what we're, we're dealing with yeah. on that. So what do you guys think about the Islanders? And do you think their playoffs start right now? And are they going to be starting a surge to get back into playoff contention starting tomorrow night versus San Jose Sharks? Throw it all down in the comments below. We are going to move on to the Rangers. And before I actually mention moving on to the Rangers, check out our channel after the show for this man, Filk. Sorry, he's over there on this one. Uh, Filk's good, bad, and ugly game reviews. And if Kaza Filk isn't doing a broadcast, always check our Facebook page, our group page, because Filk will have it on there in written form as well. But... The Rangers going in opposite directions from the Islanders. Uh, they well, they they beat the injury riddled slash COVID riddled Islanders on Wednesday night, and then in the in the Thanksgiving showdown, they beat the Bruins five to two. Artemi Panarin game winning goal and Julian Gauthier to assist. The Rangers right now sit in third place, 13, four and three. You gotta ask this question, and it sounds weird for me to even ask this right now, Phil. Are the Rangers becoming an elite team? I'm going to hold off on saying elite because okay. th that implies that they're really, really up near the top. I think they're playing a good stretch of hockey right now. I think a lot of pieces are coming together. You're starting to see someone like Julian Gauthier turn the corner. I think his, his last game against Boston was the best game of his entire career. He absolutely powered through Jakob Zaboral to make that play to Alexi Lafreniere for his goal. He was all over the place. He was a force at both ends along the boards. That line's been great, that third line of Heedle, Lafreniere, and Gauthier. Uh, three former first-round picks all playing together. I mean, that goes to show you what happens when you can properly utilize talent. Hi, David Quinn. <laughs> you couldn't do so. Goodbye. 
But um, yeah, you know, Gerard Gallant's pressing the right buttons too. That's another thing that I'm just starting to see. He's made adjustments in these games, and you, you saw it against Toronto. The, the, the passing, the execution in that game for the first two periods is just bad, and then he made an adjustment in the third period, and they came out like a house of fire and almost won that game, and they, almost tied it, I should say, and then. The second, the game against Boston, because uh, I'll try to keep this short, but the game against Boston, they definitely came out. And after that second goal, it was the shift right after the Rangers took over the game after that, after that goal. From that shift forward, they owned that game. So Gallant's pressing the right buttons. He's getting the right guys into the lineup. Capo Caco is finally starting to come around. Alexi Lafreniere is starting to play better on a more consistent basis. Artemi Panarin's back. Adam Fox is a Norris-level defenseman, as always. What what else is new? And Igor Shesterkin has got to be a Vezina frontrunner. So, I mean, a lot of the things are going right for this team. I would just pump the brakes on elite. I, I think that they need to play some better teams, which they've shown that they can do, and that's something that's impressed me. While they've played down to the bad teams, they've played up to the good ones. And the game against Boston was proof of that. The game's against Toronto. They beat Florida. Florida. I mean, Calgary was the only one where they really looked bad against a real good team. But Calgary's been wiping the floor with everybody. So, I mean, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be careful when I say elite. I'm I'm just being cautiously cautiously optimistic. That's yeah, I'm gonna be careful saying elite too. Uh, what I'm gonna get in with this is that I'm starting to see real chemistry. I started saying it with the Islander segment of maybe there's a blessing in disguise yes exactly yes Lucas. Um, yes maybe, maybe there's a blessing in disguise that sammy blay went down not that i wanted him to go down or anything or i mean i certainly hope he's going to make a full recovery and be back on the rangers next year but it inserted julian gauthier and gauthier has played his best hockey as a new york ranger right now Absolutely. and it seems like he's a better fit and again where you're yes. getting guys I that are coming in. Yeah. You get guys that are coming in and they're ready to play and they've been watching. That That's that's a testament to your coach. Your coach is keeping all these guys ready. Uh, look at what Barry Trotz has been able to do for years with the Islanders. Should, uh, he always got, has, presses the right button. Can we just but, get Jared Tenori fired into the sun, please? Uh, <laughs> yeah. His drop pass last week uh, versus Sabres was amazing. Sure. Let me Anthony. turn around into the forward, and then the forward put the puck in my own net. Duh. Yeah. Which way did it go, George? Although a lot of my teammates will say I used to do drop passes to no one, but that's also because I used to think that there were people behind me. Uh, usually it's during a line change. But anyway, moving on from my mistakes. Uh, Anthony, Phil touched on it before. It was actually one of the questions I was going to ask. How close is Igor Sisterkin to getting ready to uh, getting Vesta consideration? Um, I mean, he's he's definitely one of the one of the better goalies um, in the league this year. He's got a nine thirty three save percentage. Um, but I mean, I think I think right now you got to go with Jacob Markstrom as the as the favorite to win the oh yeah win the Vesna. Um, I mean, he's got I think he's got five he's got five shutouts, um, and he's he's been he's been fantastic. Um, and I honestly, I can't even see him saying this name because when he was drafted by the Stars years back, um, and nothing really developed. I thought Jack Campbell was going to be a nobody, but 
I mean, you can't you can't deny his his statistics on a on a Maple Leafs team that's really not known to be good defensively. Uh, I think he's got a, a safe percentage that's around nine, you know, like around nine forty six and a one yeah. six four GAA. Unreal. All right, yeah, I thought it was around there nine forty five, nine forty six. Um, you know, he's he's been <laughs> he's been absolutely uh, absolutely fantastic for Toronto. So um, I, I think you got to put those two guys ahead of Shesterkin right now. Um, but I mean, Igor Shesterkin, and we listen to guys, we, we've, we've talked about this. Um, Igor Shesterkin, um, is, is, has been expected to be an elite goaltender in this league. Um, and I think he's definitely going to win a Vesna, you know, or, or couple in his career. Um, but as of, as of right now, this moment, yes, yeah, you know, sure. Things could change and, you know, Campbell and Marshall could falter and Shesterkin could be consistent the rest of the year and he can get, he can get votes. Um, but right now I would say you got to go with, uh, Markstrom and Campbell and just because they're always tied with each other, don't forget Ilya Sorokin's got a nine twenty eight save percentage. So a couple less percentage points than Shesterkin, um, on a bad Islander team. So, um, you know, those two guys are always going to be close to each other. So, but I gotta, you, you... I'll, I'll say this real quick. If it's not for the fact that Calgary and Toronto are playing better as a team, then the Rangers, I, I, I would give it to Schuster. I, I know I'm biased, but Shesterkin is playing behind a worse team than those two, and he's got comparable numbers. If Sorokin's Islanders were above 500 and they were close to a playoff spot right now, I would put him right in the conversation because he's been phenomenal. That game against Pittsburgh, if it wasn't for him, Pittsburgh could have blown the Islanders out of the water. Yes, yeah. They could have absolutely yeah. blown them out of their own building. But Ilya Sorokin said no, and he said, I'm going to win this game, and he fell that short. So I, I got to say, between Shesterkin and Sorokin have been more impressive than the other two, if you ask me. I know the numbers are gaudy on Markstrom, but I think the other two have been more impressive. You can, I mean, you could definitely make those case. Um, and you also, too, you got you got to give some, you got to give some props to Sergey Bobrovsky. He had, he's had a decent bounce back season. Yeah. Um, you know, but he also another another one. He plays probably behind the best team in the league. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Oh. Um, I'll say this: uh, three things. One, first, if you have a microphone, you should probably put it in front of you before you start your podcast. So, uh, <laughs> oops, sorry if uh, my my sound was a little bit quiet. Going to uh, multiple Vezina trophies. Thank you, Anthony. But after all, Henrik Lundqvist should have won multiple ones. And uh, yeah. they, that, just, that just didn't happen because they didn't vote that way. I still have no idea why. Uh, and the, lastly, my concern for Campbell and, and Sesterkin, out of, out of the three guys, we even mentioned Markstrom in there. Markstrom is the only one to play a full season. Campbell is topped mm-hmm. out at 29 games. Mark uh, Sisterkin has topped out, I think, it, at 15 to 20. I, I actually forgot to look up his numbers. But you're talking about guys, when you throw a full workload on them, I always call this the Yaroslav Halak rule because Yaroslav Halak broke down as the seasons went on. It wasn't until he had a career high in games when he played his first year with the Islanders that actually he was okay. But he, he, he you, you throw more games at the guy, he breaks down. And I, I get worried about Goalies that have not had a full season. That's where I get worried. And it happens a lot. And you know what? I can't believe I'm going to say his name because of how he played in the playoffs, but you got to give him his due. Uh, Folk was giving him some props on Twitter the other day during the game 
Um, but Tristan Jari, he's got a 938 save percentage, and his goals against is a one, uh, one point, I forget the exact number, um, five, eight, maybe, or something along those lines. Um, he's been really good too. So you, you gotta give, you gotta give him a lot All of credit, credit to well. Jocelyn Tebow. I mean, Tristan Jari, like seriously, the, he's got the worst glove I've ever seen. And it's only going to be a matter of time until people exploit it again. Or maybe when he gets back in the playoffs, he'll put money on the offensive <laughs> team and yeah. get an assist in a game five overtime winner. What goalie ever throws the puck through the middle of the ice in overtime? Anyway. Yeah, I, I, you know what? The pass is a pass there, but I, t- I tell you right now, the redemption, the mother load of all redemption towards this season is probably Tristan Jari's. I have not, he has bounced back. And he's a big part. Uh, two reasons for Pittsburgh's success. And we'll get, we'll, we'll get to the other one minute. later on. But <clears throat> Tristan Jari is one of the big two. So, I mean, it's I and and look, maybe he'll convert me into a believer, and maybe I'll just say good regular season goaltender, bad in the playoffs. Uh, but I mean, it, it's going to be a while till I predict for, uh, Pittsburgh to win a playoff series again, especially if he's the lead, the lead <laughs> dog. Okay, everybody, what do you think about the Rangers? Are they an elite team in the making or an elite team right now? Uh, Eros Sturkin, is he going to be a Vesna finalist? Throw it all down in the comments below. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And once again, tonight after the game, that man over there will be doing a good, bad, and the ugly. And hopefully I'll be able to tune in myself and watch that. All right, we are going to... Uh, do a bar talk segment as soon as I can knock off that. All right. And I actually get wow, this... here to do these while we, uh, while we uh, do this. Can I, can I promote drinking while we, uh, while I'm we not sure yeah. if you actually can drink on YouTube. I know you can on TV, but it will, we'll have to find that one out. Although then again, I already <laughs> did that back during the summer. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. Go. I'm going to take a shot on this one. I'm going to say beer. I'm buying everybody around on this. Oh, my God. And by the way, I still think Taylor Hall is the Bryce Harper of hockey. I mean, <laughs> oh, no. What are you oh, trying you know, to say, Joe? Give... Yeah, on, you got to give you got to give some credit. Phil Phil has been killing it with that. Although I mean, thank when, you, sir. When thank eventually Anthony's schedule clears up, he will be doing some of these as well. But uh, after all, there's a lot a lot on our plates. But everybody, welcome to Big Apple Hockey Bar Talk, where we talk about NHL topics and gauge our confidence in them based on our choice of drink. Do you want to just do a shot? Are you going to, eh, so-so, you'll have a beer. Or are you going to buy everybody around you so confident? And you know what? Phil, we're going to start with you on this one. The New York Rangers should stay away from Phil Kessel. Uh, I'm going to go with a beer. And the reason why I say this is because of the fact that he he's a right wing and he's cheap. And Arizona can retain salary. So there's a lot of – there's some ups to Phil Kessel. And I, I think with a change of scenery, he could be really productive. He can actually – stylistically, he sort of fits what that line, that top line needs uh, in, a, in a right winger. 
He's a, he's, he's a good playmaker, but he's also a very good sniper as well. He's a very good skater. I still think there's gas left in the tank. The question is about him is that he's just not much of a defensive player. So, you know, Riley Smith might be a better fit than Phil Kessel. I also happen to think that a certain Alex Radilov in Dallas, if he becomes available, would be a very good fit on that top line. You want someone who plays like Pavel Butchnevich, it's Alexander Radilov. Maybe not as good defensively, but playmaker, goal scorer, can drive play. He's a guy that can do all, all those three things that Pavel Butchnevich did pretty well. The only thing he's not going to give you is penalty killing. So I would say beer here. Anthony. Uh, you know, Phil Kessel he still has a shot. He's got a really good release. Um, he could still skate well. I mean, he's he's not as fast as he once was, but um, he's not a slug by any stretch. As Philip mentioned, he, he's a pretty good playmaker. Um, the His actual dollars owed is less than his cap hit, so that's attractive. Um, but, you know, he, he, is, he is older, um, and I, I think, you know, obviously there's some wear and tear on that body of his. You know, people like to make fun of him, call him Hot Dog Boy or whatever. <laughs> um you know, I, I I think he can he can bring some veteran scoring to a, a team that's going to be uh, in the playoffs. So, uh, and again, the cost to acquire him really shouldn't be all that high. So, um, I'm going to go beer, but uh, and I'm saying beer and not round. Um, sorry, uh, shot that is is because oh. I think um, uh, I think there are better options. Um, I know Darren Dreger mentioned the Rangers have interest in Jake DeBrusque. Uh, we'll, we'll see, you know, how that plays out. But, um, you know, my Phil mentioned Riley Smith, although I'm not convinced Vegas is going to move him unless they really looks like they're going to miss the playoffs. Um, but, you know, I, I think there might be some better options than an aging Phil Kessel when the deadline actually comes. I'm actually going to go shot on this because uh, the words is stay away from Phil Kessel. No, there, there's no reason not to stay away from Phil Kessel. If they end up saying we need a right wing on the top line, they're going to move Kako down. Um, Gauthier doesn't work out or something like that. Uh, or even Dryden Hunt is just uh, Colin Blackwell 2.0 and not Riley Smith in the making. Uh, by the way, Dryden Hunt's been playing great the last two weeks. Yeah, he has. The, then Phil Kessel has a spot on the New York Rangers. And you know what he could do? He could do this. He's got those two rings. And he didn't – he was – he wasn't just a nobody on Pittsburgh. He, he actually was a, was a one key of contributor. And you could argue he could have won a con Smythe one of those two years. So – Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I'm going to give you two more names to think about because I think this team is going to start selling off assets sooner or later. But – a team on the Pacific Northwest Coast might have two players that could interest the New York Rangers. I'm talking about the Seattle Kraken. One, Jared McCann. Mm-hmm. Jared McCann offers roster flexibility by playing all three forward positions, both wings and center. And the other guy who I don't think they would, but he actually makes a lot of sense because I think he could fit on the top line is someone who has – a lot of experience playing against the Rangers. Jordan Eberly. Jordan Eberly would actually be a really good fit. The problem him with him is cap. Next year, the Rangers might have some cap issues because they got to re-sign Ryan Strom or bring in another center if they don't bring him back. 
So I wonder if they can make that work cap-wise, but Jordan Everly would be a real good fit on that top line with Chris Kreider and Nika Zibanejad. Well, it's the stuff that we're going to have to look out for because after all, as as uh, our guest Ray Ferraro said two weeks ago, <laughs> the cap always wins. Yes, the and cap yeah, it, it, it might be blasphemy, Shannon, but you know what? He's not, He's no longer an Islander. So, Anthony, this one's going to go right back to you after uh, this one. They're not winning. And they are not winning the cup this year. I don't yeah. Up I mean, yeah. yeah. I well, again, it, you're not giving up that much to get him. You'd only give up maybe like a low level draft pick. Yeah. Wouldn't be yeah. much, Ariana. So, Anthony, going to you, the Islanders' power player is their biggest problem. I mean, last couple of games at home, they, they were the Boo Birds came out when they were on the power play. Um, it's definitely an issue. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to say beer. I, I just think their their biggest issue right now is they're <clears throat> they're just giving up too many. They're well, they're too they're playing sloppy um, in their own zone, and they're giving up too many chances, um, and it's causing their goalies to be under siege. Uh, and being that they're not scoring, it's hard to overcome um, when the other team does put the puck in the net. Uh, so I know we talked about Sorokin has masked some of that problems when he's been in goal. So maybe you don't notice it, but um, in the games that Varlamov played, I, I think you could really see it. Um, but yeah, their, their, their power play needs to be a lot better. Um, you know, if they had a good power play, I'm sure they'd have a couple more points. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's their, their biggest problem. Philk. I'm only going to say this because of the wording, but shot uh, to me. The biggest problem is most definitely their defense right now. And they're they're not even just their their defense corpse, but their team defense has just not been good enough. They've like I said, they don't they're not playing shot hockey right now. They're not limiting shots. Anthony has said it before. They're giving up too many chances, too many shots. Uh, they're not they're not getting leads in games and I would say their scoring is an even bigger problem than their power play yes the power play is part of the scoring but their overall scoring especially at even strength has just been abysmal and they're they're not getting secondary production from anybody Matt Barzell has eight points in 17 games that's on pace for less than 40 points that's bad uh, and you, you need to, you need to have a lot more than that from a guy like Matt Barzell, who should be on pace for 65 to 70 points at the least. So uh, I'm, I'm saying shock here. I mean, yes, it is a problem, but not, I wouldn't even put it in the top three. I'm going to go to beer. Uh, I wanted to initially buy everybody around, but Anthony talked me down a little bit. Phil, you talked me down a little bit too. Uh, I have to say this about about their power play. They have five power play goals. Chris Kreider has nine. Uh, that is not a good situation. Yeah. Also, by the way, Phil, where do most players pad their stats on the power play? I, I so get that, and I agree. It's it's something that needs to be done because when you have a weak power play, one problem when you have a weak power play is teams are willing to take more penalties against you knowing if you put them on the power play they're not going to score that that's just a fact of life that's one reason why i think nobody wants to go near Connor mcdavid but it's also they they need to make people pay put it in the back of the net and i'm surprised the power play is this bad you got wallstrom has got a cannon lee who stands in front of the net nelson who digs pretty well barzell sets everybody up pollock's got a cannon 
I mean, what ex- they got the personnel. They should be able to do this. But we've been asking that question about the Rangers for the last 20 years. Here, so. Here's the question, and not even really a question, but a statement. And I know, Anthony, when we talked about this a while back, I thought that he was going to develop into this. But Ryan Pollock has not developed into the, the trigger man that he should be on that power play. You no. have a triple-digit shot. And he just does not get it on net nearly <laughs> enough and doesn't shoot it nearly enough. And I think that's a big part of the problem. And uh, now, especially that first year on the trots, he had a great preseason and everybody started looking at him and going, he's going to be the next big defenseman. Well, his, his first his first full year in the league, he had 10 goals and 32 points. And then he followed up with a 37-point year and then a 35-point year. So it looked like he was on track to – develop into a defenseman that consistently scores 40 points. And then Barry Trotz took over. I, I think the only thing I could say is that, listen, you don't have, granted it was three years, but you don't score as a defenseman. You don't score 10 goals in two out of three years and then just forget how to score. So I, I think his defensive game has come a long way, and I think he's he's put a lot of time and effort into focusing on that and being that Trotz, the system that he plays I think maybe he's just kind of his offensive game's been neutered a little bit, um, but yeah, no, he 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 has the shot to absolutely score more, um, and he and he's done it in a small sample size. So um, yeah, but that's not even the issue for me. The issue for me is just like the, getting the shots on net, and especially and and firing more on the power play. Because Ryan Pollock's not going to be the guy that's going to take the puck in the rush. Uh, you know, at even strength, like a like a Tyson Barry or a Kale McCarr or someone like that. You're not you're not getting that from Ryan Polk, and you wouldn't expect that. But no, but you put him in the Ovechkin spot. That's what we were thinking. Not even that, but the the point. Get the screens. Get the deflections. Why, why are they not utilizing him like that? It's the system. Uh, their power play has been, uh, ironically enough, like the 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 last year Tavares was there when they missed the playoffs and were a bad team. They had a better power play than they have in any year since Trotz has been here. So uh, you got to assume it's the system and how they run it. Cause like Mark said, they, they do have the, they do have the tools. I mean, you have, you have Barzell and Beauvillier who, who are really good at gaining the zone, the zone entry guys, uh, you know, Nelson can really shoot the puck and distribute it, you know, Lee in front. So. Yeah. It's the system. I, I yeah. Gotta Hello, I, 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 I wish uh, Jacob Truba could be Ryan Pollock. But yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, would take that any day of the week. Oh, I've been more satisfied with Jacob Truba as of late, so that's a different story. Yeah. Uh, so once again, because I just in case if I cut this in the middle, guys, what do you think is the Islanders' the biggest problem? Their power play, and should the Rangers go after Phil Kessel or stay the hell away from him? Throw it down in the <laughs> comments below. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, guys. We're gonna go across the river now, and big news this week when Jack Hughes. Signed an eight-year, oh, let me throw that one up now, an eight-year, $8 million a year extension. I know if you might read that. I just, I'll fix that in a second. Uh, people are going to see that and go, oh, it's $8 million. No, no, it's a, it's a $64 million extension. But Jack Hughes will be the franchise player the Devils expect. I'll start this one off, guys. Uh, you know, I'm going to buy everybody around. I, I think Jack Hughes is going to be too good. And it's not even – not even me because I like I've, I've, I've bragged about it before ever since I found this out. I used to play high school hockey with his uncle, but uh, and he was a good player too. But I just think if Jack Hughes ends up being closer to Matt Barzell 
your one, that's what the Devils are going to hope for. Like an 80-point guy, maybe he's not that great defensively, but he was looking fantastic um, in the first couple games and then hurt his shoulder and then that was it. I, I, I hope for both American hockey and for the Devils that he's good because I still want that Kako-Hughes rivalry to go on. I just would like to hide that contract from Capo Kako and be like, yeah, don't worry about $8 million yet, buddy. Folk. I'm going to say a beer because it, the word franchise is is tough. Like, would, would you say that Matt Barzal is a franchise player? Because that's kind of what I think Jack Hughes is heading for. Um, I, I think Jack Hughes might be a 70 to maybe 80 point player, depending on the talent around him, because of the fact that I don't think Jack Hughes has the shot that will make him a 30 plus goal scorer. I think he's a guy that could score 20 to 25. I think his hands are incredible. He reminds me a lot of Barzell. Great skater, great hands, great vision, great passer. But does the, does the shot scare you as a goaltender? Yeah. You know, is, is that something that goaltenders and, and, and opposing forwards and defenders alike, are, are, are they going to have to respect that at some point? So if that gets better... I, I think that Jack Hughes could be over a point per game to a maybe 90 point player at that point. But I, I just, I don't know if it, if it does. So I'm going to say beer here. I think it's possible. It really depends on how the, de- the talent around him develops, because I, I think that's going to be key. If Alexander Holtz turns into a 30 to 40 goal scorer. And part of that is Jack Hughes. Then Jack Hughes is going to be a guy that's probably going to have 60 to 70 assists a year at that point. Well, Dawson Mercer's looked great, too. And Dawson Mercer has looked great. Yes, you're yeah. right. Anthony. I'm going to go around, uh, and it's because I think a lot of – like, for instance, you don't have to be a 100-point player to be a franchise player. Like, for instance, John Tavares was the Islanders franchise player for a long time, and he was a 70- to 80-point guy. Um, and I think I think Jack Hughes can be a 70- to 80 point guy for the devils. He's got the skill set to do it. He just got to work on his shot as John had mentioned, but um, his skating ability is top notch. Um, you know, his edge work is top notch, his passing ability, stick handling. So um, yeah, I, I, I definitely think he could be that player and, you know, it would behoove the devils to surround them with top talent. But um, I think for, you know, for these next eight years, you would hope if he stays healthy, that when you think of the New Jersey devils, you think of Jack Hughes and everything, you know, runs through him. So um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna buy everyone around here. You know I'm gonna right. just ex- uh, piggyback off of the comment that's right there. <laughs> what do you think about these bridge deals? That you're betting the player is gonna be something. This uh, is not a bridge deal. Well, no, but I mean it's not a bridge deal. All right, let me clarify it. Long term. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, it's a long term deal, but you're trying to bet on what they're going to be and get a bargain down the road. Um, it's worked out for say Nate McKinnon in the Colorado avalanche. It hasn't worked out for Clayton Keller and the Arizona coyotes. Like, where do you stand on that? I think it's, you pay the guy on what he's done and try to like work your way up instead of just like Adam Fox is a different story. I I was just going to say that that was, that was going to be the example that I brought up. Okay. So do you go and you give Adam Fox 9.5 million right now, or do you bridge him come back in three years and have to give him anywhere from 10 and a half to 12 million? Well, in this case with Adam Fox, 
he already won a Norris on the ELC. I, I, I get it, but th- that's the risk you're taking, though. And that's like if Jack Hughes were to have gotten bridged, and let's just say the next year he went up and put up 80 points, and the year after that he put up like 75, and the year after that he put up 80 again. Then you're looking at paying Jack Hughes 10.5 to 11 million instead. Okay. But now you have him at two to three million under what you would have had to have paid him, even with the cap going up slightly. So it could be like, like uh, the comment that I just had up before Ariana had this right. Even if he ends up just being an 80 point player, that contract at 8 million is fine. Think about some of the UFA players that make 8 million or more. Like Ryan Johansson makes 8 million. Would you take Ryan Jacob Johansson eight makes eight million. Jack Hughes? I, I, I think I'd rather take my risk on Jack Hughes at eight million because even if he just turns out to be a seventy point player, I think I'd rather have Jack Hughes going forward at eight million than Ryan Johansson. Anthony, final thought on that. Uh, I mean, I don't have to say anything because, as usual, Phil, you know, for the most part, we're on the same wavelength. He, he took the, he took the words out of my mouth. Um, it's too much of a, it's too much of a risk because if, if you bridge Hughes, like he said, and then he goes off. When he's eligible to to be extended again for his next contract, you're talking you're going to pay him a lot of money, like ten plus. Yeah. So when you have a player like him, where you know you feel like the odds are that he is going to become a good player, you, you have to pay for that potential now uh, and save yourself a little bit more money because if you don't, you're going to pay more in the long run. So, all right. So let's stay in the Metro Division, and we talked about this team before. But another reason why they're still sticking around in the standings, Pittsburgh's success is a testament to Mike Sullivan's coaching. And before I have Philk's answer on this, I can't help but say, wouldn't you like to be a team that had him as an assistant coach for years? That's (laughs) (laughs) All right, Phil, go ahead. I wasn't a believer. And Mike Sullivan for a long time. Um, I thought he was a good assistant with the Rangers. Um, I, I think they could have kept him. But this season has really shown me that Mike Sullivan is the real deal as a coach. And there's a reason why he's going to be on Team USA staff. I think he's going to be the head coach for Team USA, if I'm correct, right? I think uh, so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, – he has dealt with so much adversity so far this season. Not just finally getting Sidney Crosby back recently. No of getting Malkin still. He's coming back soon. And it, they got Tristan Jari to rebound. They were playing with Jeff Carter as their number one center on opening night. And then he was out for a little bit with COVID. And they were still managing to tread water with no one. No one in terms of legitimate top six or top nine centers for a little bit there. This is a testament to Mike Sullivan's coaching. I'm buying a round for everybody that's watching, everybody that if I was in person, I would be buying rounds for everybody. I, I, I couldn't. This is one of the most confident things I, I could ever say that I bought a round on. But, yes, this is this is Mike Sullivan. I'm a believer. I'm sorry, Mike. I was one of your critics for a while, but you've won me over. Anthony. Round, um, the, you know, for for it feels like for the last few years he's always been missing uh, a lot of his key players at one time: Crosby, Malkin, Latang, uh, you know, Gensel. Um, sometimes dealing with subpar goaltending, um, 
and you know people always counting out the penguins are they gonna is this gonna be the year they you know go down the tubes um and he manages to make them always stick around uh, i think he's one of the you know overlooked even when you think of like some of the better coaches in the league over the last few years you think trots i know he's not coaching right now but you think babcock um you think quenville i, I think sometimes he gets lost in the shuffle i, I think he's easily top five head coach uh for my money um and the penguins are lucky to have him and he's doing he's doing a real good job with them again this year so um like Felix said this this is an easy round uh you know he's 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 really been um you know one of the better things to come out of pittsburgh uh you know since their cup days he's good i'll say he's uh one of the best things to come out of pittsburgh since for mandy brothers because I'm going to buy everybody around. If you haven't had for Manny Brothers, by the way, they're sandwiches with coleslaw and fries on top, and they're fantastic. Uh, the I've I've actually been on the Mike Sullivan train for a while. I wasn't in his first year. I thought the Rangers were going to beat him. Instead, he ended up winning a Stanley Cup. And uh, Mike Sullivan has done wonders with that team, and I think one reason why he doesn't get respect is because he has Sidney Crosby on his team. It's because he's got... Evgeny Malkin, but they've had injuries and they'll he'll still get them the win. And that's why it's so hard to predict when Pittsburgh is going to bottom out and get out of the league, the playoffs. I mean, it, it's just, it, it they're always going to be there with them. And that's also another reason why I say the Metro is one of the hardest divisions because you look at their coaching, you go from just right now, you go Laviolette, Brindamore, Gallant. Laviolette. Sorry, Laviolette. There we go. Yes. Yeah. I've been saying his name for the last 30 years, and yet wrong. I can still get it wrong. Back when he was a player on the Rangers um, for the, all those 13 games. Uh, so the um, uh, so then you got Lindy Ruff, who was uh, a coach for decades, and you got Mike Sullivan. I mean, this, there's and let's not forget Elaine Vigneault. This is this is murderous row for coaches. I feel bad for the guy in. Columbus had slipped my mind. John Tortorella. No, not not Tortorella. Now, oh, yeah, He's that's right now. Um, yeah, I forgot his name. Uh, with with Brian Burke as the GM, they'll definitely try to make a splash. They always will yeah. try to make a splash with Brian Burke as the GM. So again, uh, if I didn't do it, I'll buy everybody around. But no, actually, I could spell Lavalette <laughs> because uh, it's you it's Lavi. Can spell it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> L-A-V-I-O-L-E-T-T-E. Okay. Wow. Here we go. And I still think Peter Laviolette is one of the best American coaches, if not the best American coach of all time. I still think that right now. Going to possible trade deadline rumors, Tomas Hurdle would be a perfect fit for the Boston Bruins. Mr. LaRocco. Uh, round. I mean, I think with the loss of Krejci, I, I think they could use another, another, you know, very high end skilled center. And I think Hurdle uh, is that. Um, now, the only thing is with Hurdle, we, you know, we kind of heard the rumors before the season started, but then he kind of put those aside and said, you know, he's not, wasn't sure what he wanted to do. And for now, he's going to focus on hockey. Um, I think with San Jose being better than expected, I think San Jose's preference is try to is to try to extend him. Um, so we'll have to see, but, um, if he hits the open market, I absolutely think the Bruins should be online, um, you know, trying to acquire hurdle for sure. Um, so I'm going to go round. I, I mean, but I, I just don't, I'm not sold if he's definitely going to be available. 
by the way, I just want to say I, I checked out comments just now and I love this one from our Mr. John Mikowski. <laughs> yeah, I hate you right now. <laughs> Go ahead, Phil. I'm gonna I'm gonna chime in with a comment first here because this one kind of fits it. I can see Hurdle going there from Julian. He fits their play style. So you're gonna tell me that you have another highly skilled two-way center that's a check that yeah. can come right in and and play good defensive hockey and plays tough and has a big body. Uh, give me Tomas Hurdle all day if I'm Don Sweeney. Don Sweeney should be hitting them up but as anthony said is he going to be available because unless san jose starts to fall off i don't i don't know if they're going to want to deal him off now at this point so i I, i'm buying a round just on the the, the premise itself though i wasn't sure if i did this for you before so i'll do it again and would he be a good fit yeah he'd be a good fit on a lot of teams we're gonna do that again and somehow crushing anthony's head i'm crushing your head crushing your head but, uh, yeah, Tomas Hurdle would be a great fit for everything. But, yes, exactly what Phil just outlined, and he took him away by answer. You're going to replace David Krejci with another Czech center? Might as well be Tomas Hurdle. And who knows? Maybe he can do the uh, goal between the legs again. But it's – Just it's, not against the Rangers, please. Thanks. Yes, and not to end Marty Biron's career. Although, oh, yes, we do know he played another game after that. So that's another story oh, as well. Marty. Here's a simple one, guys. The Wild are underrated. Uh, Philk. Yeah, I'm buying around on this one too. Uh, I, I, I just I think that they they have a solid defense, even with Ryan Suter still not being there or with not being there. I, I think their forward group has started to play better. I, I just wonder what happens with Kevin Fiala because it looks like he's on his way out. Um, mm-hmm. It just that, that seems like a little bit of a sticky situation. And uh, as Chris G pointed out here, Talbot is winning. Uh, yeah, and he, he's been very good. And we'll, we'll bring up uh, Stat Boy Stevens' uh, favorite, <laughs> favorite nickname for a team, the side salad of the NHL. And, yes, the side salad of the NHL, if Steven, uh, Steven is watching, they are playing well. So um, I, I really think that this team's underrated. I don't know if they have enough noise to do damage in the playoffs or enough firepower rather, but uh, they are a, a pretty good team that's played some pretty good games against some good teams. So yeah, they are underrated. I'm buying around. I'll tell you what, I'm going to buy around too. I'll jump in on this one before Anthony and uh, yes, Cam Talbot is playing very well. I have him on my fantasy team. I am the biggest Cam Talbot critic that there is. Because after all, he was the anointed one in 2015 that they should have traded Henrik Lundqvist instead of him. But you know what? Cam Talbot's playing very well for them right now. He's just winning. That's what he's doing. Uh, and it's helping them. Their top line with uh, Kaprizov, uh, Zuccarello, and shoot, I forgot their center. They're playing uh, really Victor well. Rask. What was it? Victor Rask. All right, because there was another guy that was playing on their center because he was saying, all I got to do is put my stick down and they'll find it. I, w- I don't think it was Ryan Hartman. Uh, it was somebody else. No. But Joel Arison Eck is is stepping into that role. Yeah, he's he's they're, they're doing well with their forwards group. So, I mean, that's what, what's not to like about this team. And then throw on top, Colorado Avalanche aren't there yet. So they're not jumping over them. The Blues, they're still – they're still there, uh, but there's a lot of there's a lot of teams kind of falling off in that division, and Minnesota might end up winning it. 
Anthony. Uh, round. Um, they don't really have a lot of sexy names on the roster, aside from Kirill Kaprizov. But, boy, I mean, you see a player, man. He's got 25 points in 22 games. Um, and he's the type of guy that brings you out of your seat. Um, and then Ryan Hartman, 12 goals. I mean, Ryan Hartman having 12 goals. Who would have yeah. predicted that? Um, no. You know, and then they have one of the better defensive uh, players in the league, as you guys just mentioned, Joel Erickson Eck. Um, Talbot's been good in goal. Um, you know, Marcus Felino is a, is a tough, gritty player for them. Um, so, you know, yeah, they're, they're the sum of the parts. Um, but they're playing really good hockey. Uh, and just to mention again, boy, do I love Kirill Kaprizov. He, he, he's he's fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't think you're alone in that club. We we're, we all love Kirill Kaprizov. And especially since I stopped calling him Capril. All right. That was – I don't even know where the P came from. Oh, good job, but, Mark. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm allowed to make mistakes. It's how I came into the world. It's how I'm going to leave it. So – Moving on, the Vancouver Canucks should have fired Travis Green already, even though Anthony and I went a different way with this last week, talking about Jim Benning. Phil, I'm going to start you off with this. Travis Green should have been fired. Buying around. This team is clearly not responding to him anymore. They haven't been for a while. There's no excuse for Elias Pettersson to be uh, – <laughs> Under, well under a point-per-game player. I mean, if you, if you look at the roster right now and, and you just you, you take away what you can get from the players that they have, J.J. Miller's playing great. Okay, like that that's not a problem. Like he, he's in a contract year. You, you expect that from him. But some of the other names on this roster have just performed so poorly. And, and you just wonder – you wonder what it is. But you look back on 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 everything, and it's just it's it, to me it's the coaching, and they're just not getting enough from guys like uh, Elias Pettersson, who just I, I don't know what it is with him. He just doesn't seem to be just doing what it takes to win. Like I I, I don't I don't see the compete level in him every night, and I, I I don't see enough from some of the other guys too. Like Bo Horvat's playing all right. Like, but again, you're just looking at this roster, just, okay, 20 points in 23 games from JT Miller. He's just under a point per game. Connor Garland has 16 points in 23 games. Quinn Hughes has 16 points in 22 games. Bo Horvath only has 12 points in 23 games. Elias Pettersson, 23 games, 11 points. Nils Hoaglander, after a strong rookie year, only has 10 points in 23 games. Brock Besser is a major disappointment with only four goals and nine points in 20 games. So Oof. yeah, Travis green should have been gone, but, and I'll, 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 I'll give Lucas some props here because this is actually a good one, but Oliver Ekman Larson was not a defenseman. I needed, I, I, I questioned that deal when it happened because, you know, Quinn Hughes, you already have your puck mover and power play guy. Why did they need Oliver Ekman Larson? Connor Garland made a lot of sense, but Ekman Larson? Why? You need you Yeah, need he's teams. and he's been their matchup defenseman. So, and that and to me, you know, that's that's part of the problem. I, I you you're right. If if Oliver Ekman Larson's a matchup defenseman, you know you're not getting solid defense in your own zone when he doesn't have the puck. So, that's a big thing, but because if if not for Thatcher Demko's solid performance this year, then you're looking at a real – you're looking at Vancouver being a, a lottery team, I would say. They might be there anyway. Anthony. I'm flying around on this. 
round. Um, I mean, I talked to you about this, Mark. I think Travis Green's more culpable here than than Jim Benning for sure. I mean, because Benning's giving them some good pieces. Um, and there's a lot of smoke around Vancouver. I mean, aside from smoke about Green being fired and removed, um, they may shake things up. Here, JT is JT Miller's name. Some people are saying Brock Besser needs to change the scenery, which if you look at his play, you would have to tend to agree with. Um, you know, so they they very well might look to shake things up. Um, you know, I I saw a tweet the other day that the uh, actually the Islanders had scouts at the Canucks Bruins game, so um, you know, two struggling teams in the Isles of Canucks, maybe they can look to hook up and make a deal. But um, Vancouver needs to do something because um, clearly it's not working. But I, I think they're going to look to fire Green before they make a move. But I won't be surprised if if they ship off JT Miller is in a contract year, like Phil said. Um, or if they wanted to make like a hockey trade or shake things up even further, they could move like a Brock Besser. But um, yeah, you expect more from this team, um, especially after making the big trade. Getting OEL and Garland, people expected them to take the next step, hasn't happened. Um, I think you have to remove Green, um, and then maybe that re, you know kind of reinvigorates them. Uh, but something's got to change there in Vancouver. I can't believe I'm saying these words that are about to come out of my mouth, especially if I told the kid in high school that watched the New York Islanders. I am the biggest Travis green defender here. The answer is you got to buy everybody around. They're two and eight. You can't, you, you can't fire uh, 20 players. You have to fire one coach. It's just where that option goes. Now I want to also be clear. Everyone should be fired in, in Vancouver. Jim Everyone. Fire Benning for putting him in this situation. Fire uh, Green because right now they're not playing well. You go, you probably, Mike Babcock's been attached to that that job. Uh, he'll probably end up getting it. And uh, it just, you, you look at Garland this Garland would fit for the Rangers in a heartbeat. Oh, God. And, and Connor Garland could fit on 31 teams, including the one he's on right now. So 32. So, it's just as far as that goes, you look at them two years ago when they were playing for the COVID Cup and they won the playing round. They took Vegas to seven games and you really thought this team actually, I think they won the playing round, then beat St. Louis, then played Vegas. You, you thought this team was going to be on the rise. You thought the, the rebuilding was over. It's not. It's. And this is something Ranger fans be cautious about because it could easily be you in this seat watching your team. But then again, that's that's why you need a veteran coach in moments like this. So uh, as, as far as I'm concerned with Travis Green, if he's on the Team USA uh, coaching staff, I'll be happy with that. But as of right now, he's got to go in Vancouver. But. And again, I can't believe I'm saying the words on the biggest Travis Green defender that there is. Guys, I left this on the list. Anthony and I briefly touched on it, but now that we got Philk, and I'm actually going to put out the short uh, uh, video about this later on this week. But the NHL should pull out of the Olympics. And Philk, I'm going to start with you. Wow. You're really going to put me on the spot first, aren't you? Just okay, I'll start. Sacrificial land. No, I'll, I'll, I'll start. And I, I'm going to say beer because I could see arguments for both sides. Um, I could see why you would want to pull out. I would see why you would want to go on. With it. I, I mean, 
this stuff. I'm sorry. I had to get that comment in because that and, was and David, well, it works even better with your name. Well, yeah. Well done, David. Well Wood done. never pulls out. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> oh. oh, but I'm going to try to compose myself here and answer this question. I'm going to, like I said, I, I, I got to say beer because I just, I could see arguments for both sides. I, I, I understand there's a lot of time and effort put into this and there's a lot of revenue to be made that could really help um, a lot of people. Uh, I mean, it just, it, it's, it's tough though. Cause you, with the COVID cases popping up across the NHL, you, you know, that there's, you know, you know that there it's still an issue and it's, it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. I don't know if we're, I don't think we're headed necessarily for another lockdown, hopefully not, but um, you know, it, 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 there's, there's a good argument that they should pull out of it, but I, I understand why people would want it to go on at, at the same time. So I, I'm going to say beer here. Anthony, go ahead. You're probably repeating yourself from last week, but I'm, I'm going to precursor this by saying I don't, I don't want them to because I think Olympic hockey's fun, um, and I want to see the best players in the country playing for you know playing for the gold. But um, I'm going to I'm going to actually say round. Um, you know, I think it was yesterday or two days ago there was the tweet that a lot of the media guys kind of retweeted. It was from the NHL PR saying they sent a memo to all teams saying that they have to suspend having like uh, Christmas parties. They can't have any of that. Um, so you're going to tell teams that they can't have, you know, Christmas parties within the organization, but yet it'll be okay to send players overseas to China. I mean, it just, it just kind of, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me, uh, for them to do that. Um, and then go ahead and still go ahead with the Olympics, especially with, with cases, COVID cases popping up across the league lately. Um, but with that said, you know, it is approaching the winter season, so just like the flu, you're going to expect more cases are going to, um, you know, are going to occur. I mean, that that's just kind of like logic. Um, but I think all things considered, uh, it's probably best that they do because, I mean, the Islanders need two games rescheduled. Uh, you know, the Senators missed a bunch of time. So all it's really going to take is if there's like one or two more teams that get shut down for a little bit because of COVID – I don't see how they're going to fit those games in. Um, yeah. If you still go to the Olympics. So they might end up having no choice, but um, I'll, I'll go around. On, on a lighter note, that <coughs> was great. Uh, yeah, yeah, the USA jersey. The, US, the USA jersey is a terrible suck. I'm going to preface this by saying I actually am one of the bigger fans of Olympic hockey. And if they, and if they do play over there, there we are go. going to be watching a lot of the games and still be doing this broadcast every Wednesday. I'm buying everybody around on this. It's, it's a no brainer. They, they shouldn't be going. And I know I had an editorial uh, during the summer about mm. this. Is it the right time to be going? But there's a couple different things that are really eye opening. Here's the problem though. The NHL pushed their chips all in. They, you have a two week period in February and you're not going to just reschedule the games. Three. If they pull out three weeks. Yeah. So they got an all-star game and then they're sending people over there. They're not sending over scrubs. They're sending over stars and it's the stars versus it's, it's basically they got three weeks of an all-star tournament first starting with the all-star game and then going on from there. So that's fantastic for the fans. The problem is if somebody tests positive 
in China, there's a three-week quarantine. Uh-oh. That, that you saw that yeah, tweet that's, that's that, a that came up a couple weeks ago. I mean, think about it like this. We were Anthony, we were talking about it last week. Our eyelid, our our eyebrows went up that Josh Bailey couldn't leave Florida. Now yeah. put him in China. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that made no sense. Like how why I, I get Josh Bailey had it, but he's vaccinated. Why was Josh Bailey not right. able to just take a private flight home? That was stupid. They didn't want to. NHL, NHL didn't want to do that. I know, but that, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's stupid. How do you not get one person in a car and go bring them up there? International it, travel is is dangerous right now with, with with this, especially like you're right. If if you get it, if you get COVID, could you you could be stuck in China for God knows how long, and and, and that's that's not good, at right? All. And and you know what? Look, I understand why the NHL wants to go. There is two billion people there with lots of money to spend and there's so much for the league to get and expand and expanding the league. That's why they pulled out of Korea, but they weren't, they weren't against going to China. This is actually a good point from Lucas though. Like if they were going to pull out, they would have had to do so over the summer. Cause like, right. I don't know if they even can at this point. Can they really? I don't think that I, I don't think they, I don't think they should. And I don't think they can, I think they should, but that's a different story. Let me correct that. Um, or I don't think they will, and I don't think they can, I should say. But it's just, like, uh, was it Arthur Stable that was talking about that, that a couple of the players were, or the NHLPA was concerned about the the three-week quarantine? Like, imagine Connor McDavid being over there right before a gold medal game, test positive. And Edmonton Oilers, if you yeah, need them. I mean, I don't, I don't blame any player that wouldn't want to go over there right now. Not yeah. not one blame in the world. Not I wouldn't lay an ounce of blame if there were players that said they didn't want to go over there right now. Like it's just it's it's just stuff that it's it's scary when you start putting it into international terms, and different countries do different things different ways. I don't want to get political here, but and, and I'm is, not getting political. Is that? And no, 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 no. I'm I'm saying I don't want to get it political here, but this is actually a really good question. Do we trust an Olympics organized by China to be safe for the athletes at this point? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I I I don't know. I don't know either. And it's also it it's it's sort of like it's sort of like somebody reassuring you that everything's okay, and you can't help but ask, "Is it? Yeah. Are you sure exactly. it's okay? That that's the well, feeling. The ship isn't sinking. I'm only bailing out water. But it's. Like I don't trust. I wouldn't trust their statistics, their statistics, like or anything else. But it's is the juice worth the squeeze? I'm not sure if it is right now. And and granted, I feel sorry for Alexander Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby. This will be their final Olympics, more than likely. But I, no, no, the answer is no. I, I I would not be sending my players over there. All right, but hey, guys, what do you think? Uh, should the NHL pull out of the Olympics? Minnesota Wild, underrated team. And uh, Vancouver Canucks, they should have let go of Travis Green a while ago. Throw it all down in the comments below. Uh, I'm just going to pull Anthony out for a second. And uh, I guess, you know what? I guess while we – oh, he's back in. Yeah. How do you how do you magically do that? As soon as I, I had to go, all right, he'll be another minute. Oh, him, uh, bang, you're right back in. Mighty sense. Uh, I did have some honest press conferences that I put in here. If you guys feel like doing it, yeah, why not? 
All right, let's do this. All right, let's get that ticker off. Guys, we haven't done these in a while, and I'm very excited for it. We're going to do some honest press conferences. Connor, just can you give me your sense of kind of where, where the group is at? Once again, my teammates come up short. Once again, every single time I see that, I can't help but go, look at Phil now and how much weight he lost. So, <laughs> everybody, welcome back to Honest Press Conferences. We haven't done these in a while, and you know what? We got at least a couple people that need to talk this week where we say what the athletes really want to say or coaches or executives. And we're going to start going with the New York Islanders and the man with the horse's head in everyone's bed. Mr. Lou Lamorello, Anthony Morocco. Well, first I want to start with um, um, Mark. Um, never call me again. Uh, that was that 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 you don't you don't just call up Big Lou on the telephone um, and make a fool of yourself. So um, <laughs> I'll start with uh, a lot of people wondering about my team. Um, yeah, we had expectations to you know be a Stanley Cup finalist at the beginning of the season um, hasn't really gone as well as we expected but um, I believe in Barry Trotz and the veteran group that we have in that room and I think we'll pull out of it but um, I'm disappointed the league didn't um, postpone our game sooner uh, but thankfully uh, being Big Lou and everything I was able to um, send some of my mafiosos to Bettman's office um, and I got you know there are two games this past week postponed. We'll be back in action tomorrow, but um, I'm confident that once we get Brock back and, and Ryan back in a month, we're going to get back on track here. Uh, we have a world-class goalie. Um, and again, I believe, I believe in my coach and I believe in the team that I assembled uh, that when playoff come playoff time rolls around that, you know, we'll be there in the thick of things. Um, but I'll take some, I'll take some questions. Lou, there are rumblings that you guys need some scoring. There's a certain player in Boston named Jake DeBrusque that could end up being on the block. Is that uh, an option or are there any other options that you guys would look into scoring? And how soon would you guys look into possibly making an acquisition? Uh, yes. I think Lou got a wow. little Short answer, yes. Long answer. Wow, that was the shortest answer and and just disappearance ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, horse head in your bed. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess he's he's right now gathering that horse head. Uh, yeah. That that I was I wasn't prepared for that one. <laughs> okay, so Lou, uh, what was the answer to that question? Sorry about that. I um, I got a call from Barry. Um, you know, he, he's he's a he's an interesting player in Boston. Um, I always use the catchphrase when when you have time, you use it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to see what our team can do here once we get healthy. And these guys, Anders and Josh uh, back from COVID. Um, but uh, I always say, you know, I'll improve the team if it's there and it makes sense. Um, as you guys know, I don't like to talk about players from other teams, but, um, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see uh, as things develop here. Um, you know, if we could pull out of this on our own, but I'm always looking to to make this team better. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. But um, like I said, my, my scouts and my team were always out there looking uh, at options to make us better. 
Um, but I'm hoping that it can come from in-house first. Lou, last week, your team dealt with a lot. Uh, you were opening up a brand new building and dealing with the COVID protocols on top of dealing with key injuries to a couple of players. How much was it frustrating for you that the league kept on insisting that you play these games? Mark, um, how come you didn't ask me this question when you had the balls to dial my telephone? <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed there. Uh, you know, you 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 you, said, you sounded like a scared little mouse. I um, was a scared little mouse talking to you. But um, yeah, you know, it's it's the NHL has protocols in place. Um, and after talking to the, um, you know, the the medical experts, they felt that it was in check enough to still play. Uh, I'm very disappointed that our captain, uh, Anders Lee, um, wasn't able to partake in a historic first ever game at at UBS Arena. Um, and Josh Bailey, our, our longest tenured player, has been through a lot ups and downs as an organization um, that he wasn't able to as well. Those two that that meant a lot to those two guys. And I'm disappointed for them that they missed out on it. Um, but again, um, you know, the the league felt that we had it in control enough to play, um, and we still had some good players out there. Uh, just unfortunately, we we weren't able to get the job done uh, out on the ice. But you know, passes in the past. Uh, hopefully. You know, we got a couple more guys in COVID protocol, but it seems like uh, for the most part, you know, this this is under control. Uh, and I have put back some, you know, rules uh, within our organization for the time being too to to make sure it stays in check. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm disappointed that you know our our home opener in a new building had to be uh, had a shadow cast over it by by COVID. But this is the nature of the world that we're living in right now. Um, but you know, for for a second, Mark, I'm kind of annoyed i had some chicken parmesan on the on the and in the oven there and you, you kind of pulled me away from that to to do this i have a lot of cigars to smoke and tiramisu to eat and um you know i'm, I'm here uh, answering questions that could have just asked me on the telephone so I, I i actually blame my my associate that is uh usually with me anthony laraco for the mix-up uh, well, so. um, see but he's laraco he must be a nice italian young man um, so don't, you know, you don't put any blames on my fellow Italians. No, no, no. Well, I mean, you don't, I'm you don't ever take too. a man just, away from his chicken parm. Yeah. yeah I, I'm Italian too, Lou. So that's all. Yeah. Well, Williams doesn't seem like it. I know. So, 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 sono Cortino, sono Cortino. <laughs> so. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on gentlemen. And, and thank uh, you very much, Lou. I appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Lou. Yes. So, uh, a quick update on that since, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, update everyone watching. Uh, <laughs> Anthony switched phone numbers on me when I was supposed to be talking to Marty St. Louis. So uh, he's, and he's switching with Lou's. So yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> I, I am not a good cold caller. And I actually, and he goes, Oh, that was big Lou. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Lou, Lou's going to kill me. <laughs> oh, I was, so anyway, I was dying the whole time when I, when I gave it to you, I'm like, he's going to call him right now. <laughs> it's just going to be, and I, I, I'm afraid talking to one of you guys on the phone on a cold call. So but you got to You got to You got to let them know what, what you said that he wouldn't. He wouldn't tell you who who it was. I wouldn't tell. And, no, the, I remember the guy wouldn't tell me his name. So yeah, yeah. Well, so I mean, that's you know, Luke <laughs> keeps it close to the vest, don't tight lips. But fortunately, we have a second guy that is on with us, and that is head coach of the New York Rangers, Mr. Gerard Gallant, and that is Mr. John Falkowski. 
Well, we reached a point in our season where our team looks like we're starting to play a little better. Uh, we, you know, we had a bit of a rough start. I, uh, I definitely criticized the team for not playing up to uh, par. Some guys like Alexi Lafreniere, I know who I've been a little hard on, but you know, I, I feel like I've been pushing the right buttons because I feel like he's played better. Julian Gauthier's come up. This team is starting to play like I think they could they could really play going forward. Uh, my mustache has definitely intimidated some people while I'm at it. I mean, if you look at it, it's really, it's, it's grand. Of course, it's going to intimidate people, not as much as maybe a horse had in a bed from a, a certain Islanders general manager, but my mustache is still pretty intimidating. So, um, yeah, we're, we're looking good right now. We're playing well. Uh, a bunch of guys are really starting to turn a corner. Capo Caco, I, I've gotten more out of him in a five-game span than David Quinn got out of him in two years, which is funny. Never thought that would have been ha- the case. But this is why you hire someone like me, because I can get the job done. I can win. I'm a miracle worker. So you guys have questions, line them up. I'll knock them down. Um, Gerard? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Gerard, a, c- a couple of weeks ago, um, there was kind of like uh, – not made news, but it was mentioned how you kind of like snapped at Molly Walker when she asked you about – Lafreniere on the fourth line. Um, he's been playing better of late, but uh, six points in, in 20 games. Uh, how how concerned are you with his with his actual production, you know, being where he was drafted and the expectations he had on him coming into the league? Uh, oh, Molly asked a little bit of a rinky-dink question there. Uh, Molly's a professional, oh. and you know what? You, you got to know better than that to ask that type of question in the way that she asked it in. Now, Alexi wasn't giving me what I thought that he could give me, and he's been better since then. And would would you not agree watching the games? Because I, I think he's been. I think that third line has been arguably the best line, if not for uh, Panarin and Strom's line there, because that, that line was been, has been incredible for the better part of the last, I would say, close to 10 games now. But Alexi is a first overall pick. All first overall picks are not created equally. And you could look at Connor McDavid and say, well, he came out and he was a point per game, about a 90 point pace in his rookie year. And then you could look at someone like Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes wasn't great in his rookie year either. But you know what? Every player is different. Developmental curves are different. And Alexi Lafreniere really needs to work on one thing more than anything first. And everything else will come because he's very talented. And that is consistency. That is how to be a pro. That is coming to play every night and giving the effort that it takes to win shifts. And when you win shifts, you win periods. And when you win periods, you win games. So you got to take it one by one. Um, I believe you guys had a guy named Ray Ferraro on your, uh, on your broadcast, what, a couple of weeks ago. And he was talking about having to match Ron Francis uh, shift for shift. And Al Arbor kept asking him to do it. And he said, did it do it again after he did it? Well, that's what I'm asking from Alexi. I'm asking him to come out. I'm asking him to, to, to bring that energy, to bring that physical play that he brought in juniors, and then everything else will come. Uh, there's a reason why he's not getting top six minutes right now, and that's because I'm going to bring him along the right way. You see what I've done with Trocek, Huberto, and Barkov in Florida? See what I did with Riley Smith and Jonathan Marcheseau in Florida and then in Vegas? See what I did with William Carlson? I'll do that again with him. You give it some time, you'll see the results. Trust me. Gerard, you can't help but notice the way the team has been playing lately. And is this, are they starting to completely buy in? And are you starting to see real chemistry from your players now? 
Yes, and part of that is because of the fact that, unlike the previous coach, I've given them some time. And that's what they need. They need time to gel. And I remember last year, I, I, I saw that and went back and I looked at the tape, and I saw that they tried Capo Caco with Artemi Panarin and Ryan Stroll, and it didn't work. But the previous coach gave up on it very quickly instead of giving it some time to work. And what I did was I saw that there were three pieces that could fit very well together. And they all complemented each other in certain ways. Capo kind of plays like a more skilled version of a man named Jesper Foss that used to play with Ryan Strom and Artemi Panarin. And he fit very well because he won board battles. He was a good defensive presence. He could create space. That's what Capo has done for, for Ryan and Artemi. And we had to only break that lineup because of the injury. But Dryden Hunt has played very well for us. He stepped right in and he became... He's playing that Jesper Fast role. So you know what? The lines are starting to create, they're starting to create chemistry, but they're also starting to buy in. And that's the biggest thing as a head coach is you got to have players that are going to buy into the system that you put in front of them. And you know what? People said, I'm not an X's and O's guy. I say that's a crock of crap. I know my X's and O's, obviously. I wouldn't have won a Jack Adams if I didn't know my X's and O's for my ass. So uh, I'll tell you right now, it's, I, I got through to them. And that's what the previous coach couldn't do. You couldn't get through to them. And, and that's that's the biggest thing is you got to get through to them. You got to know how to talk to them. You got to know how to handle them. But you got to get them to buy in. And when you do all those other things, they buy in. And when you start to see the chemistry build the way it's built, then you're going to get the results that you're looking for. And that's why this team has played better since that last Calgary loss. Because they're starting to believe. And not only that, but... I'll give myself a little bit of a pat on the back here. I know, Mark, I've seen some of your videos. You like to, you like to do that sometimes yourself. So, um, yeah, you know what? I'll give myself a pat on the back for making the adjustments that they needed to make later in games. The one thing I will say that I'm not happy about is slow starts. Starts have got to be a little better. They got to come out. They got to come out a little bit be, uh, better in the first two periods. But they're getting closer to playing a full 60 minutes of good hockey as opposed to where they were earlier on in the year. And Igor was really bailing them out in a lot of games. So, I mean, I, I think the best is yet to come. So, I got one more question for you. Uh, Go right ahead. Are you starting to see Dryden Hunt resemble an old player of yours by the name of Riley Smith? Stylistically, he plays a lot like him. Riley's an established player, a guy that's had uh, 20 goal seasons, 50, 60 point seasons. So I don't want to jump the gun yet on, on, on Dryden, but Dryden plays the same type of game. He's a high intensity, high energy player that gets in on the forecheck. He's gritty. He wins, lose puck battles, 50, 50 battles down low. You need players like that because a player like that can get the puck to your skilled players. And Dryden has a motor. His feet constantly move. I, I, I can't say enough about the way that he's played because he, he's been a revelation for us. This was a guy that really didn't look like he had much of a role when they first signed him. I thought that he can contribute, but not to the level that he's done so far. So I, 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 I don't want to jump the gun on, on a comparison to Riley Smith. But stylistically, there is some sort of resemblance. I see what you're getting at. And lastly, does he have to pay for the camera? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, if if he's going to continue to break cameras like that, I'll pay the damn price. <laughs> I have no problem with that if he's going to continue to put the puck in the back of the net and break cameras like that. Ask Essa Tikkanen about that. Yeah, I would gladly pay for his camera too. Uh, I, I still remember when that happened. Thank you very much for joining us, Rod. Anytime, Mark. You know what the hard part is, especially with Anthony not being in the chat right now, it, usually it's we get the third person who's me. I don't have a third person today. But usually Anthony goes, yeah, yeah, goodbye, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, need to, we need to get that one in there. Um, but yeah, thank, so- you. thank you to AZ, by the way. Uh, definitely wanted to put that up for the $5. And go get JT Miller. AZ, I'll say this. Thank you. I, I like JT Miller. I like the versatility on JT Miller. But do you go and give assets for him and then have to worry about signing him next year to a big deal that's going to be somewhere between seven and eight million when you have a lot of contracts that you're going to have to worry about in the next couple of years? I, I don't know if they do that. I don't know if I see them doing that. But JT Miller, in terms of style, would absolutely fit this team perfectly right now. Let me ask uh, John Bukowski this question. Uh, do you think. Lapernier becomes a point per game player eventually. Yes. Yes. Uh, hands and down I believe still that. Have, I still have the utmost confidence in that. There is a ton of skill within that player. I, I, I think two things need to happen. He needs to start playing more consistently like he has the last couple of games. And he needs to work on his, his speed and his strength. And I, I think the first part is going to tie largely into the second part. Because I think once the speed improves and the strength improves, I think that's going to give him more confidence to go out there and play like he has in these last few games. And I, I think that's the big thing. Learning to be a pro is not easy. It's, it's, it's really nope. not. And a lot of fans underestimate what it takes. And, and, and the reason why that cliche, learn to be a professional, comes up so often because it's, it's a big thing. Look at Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon was set the world on fire as a rookie. He was a 60-point color winner. And then what did he do the next two to three seasons in, in, in 15, 16, and 17? He didn't do a whole lot because he was trying to add muscle while still maintaining his speed. And that was a struggle for him for three years. But in 2018, he figured it all out. And him and Miko Rantanen came together. And that's when he took off as a player. So I could, I could easily see Alexi Lafreniere doing the same thing. Even John Tavares. John Tavares was, what, a 50-, 60-point player in 2010 and 11? But he took off in 2012 and had that 80-point season when his skating and his edge work and his strength improved. Yeah, and that, and that happens because guys are going to take a look at a lot of things and improve more and more as they get on. And also, it's... It, although hockey, I think, prepares you better than any other sport for the job, because when you're when you're in juniors, especially junior hockey, you're you're representing a team, you're representing an organization. Um, I mean, I remember when I used to always have to make sure I was in dress code, always on time, always always doing a lot of different things, and it was. It's, it's where it becomes a job and you have to adjust to that. That's why I always say when professional players have kids in organizations, I'm surprised that the kids don't get further like a keeper bellows or even uh, Tyroning right now with the Rangers. It's sometimes it's not just their talent level, 
but it's also if they can carry themselves as a professional then you know they can punch in and punch out and everything's fine mm-hmm. then you get because let's go with the other the other thing about being a professional capo caco had a lot of adjustments he had to make and especially coming to a new language uh, coming to a new country learning uh, a new culture a new language and let's be honest new york city is not exactly the easiest place to live right now um that all those things are factors and now mr Larocco is back at the start yeah oh no it's okay we always miss you although i love the lens flares it's like uh jj abrams is directing us right now <laughs> uh, but it's you know there's there's a lot of guys, but then again, there's a lot of guys that deserve call-ups from, from the Rangers. Yeah. Great news on Will Cooley, who's made uh, Team Canada's uh, invite to their camp. But... Yeah, and I'll, I'll answer this one. There's two that I'll answer and we're, as we're transitioning into the more of the Q&A time right now. but Well, does um, anybody have editorials? Uh... I know John's got one. I had that was one I had from a couple of weeks back. I don't know if we really want to do that. Okay, but somebody's just got pinched for that. So I mean, I could. Well, first we'll answer this question. All right. So to answer this, and then I, I, I think Zach Jones and and Braden Schneider should really kind of stay down right now. And the reason for that is I think that as they are now with Hartford playing better. And, and Jones and Schneider looking pretty good. I would rather see them get consistent, like lots of consistent minutes in Hartford as opposed to coming up and playing on a third pairing with the Rangers right now. I, I think it's just a lot to put on their plates. And I, I, I don't think it's necessarily the greatest idea to have either one of them up right now at this point. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that they uh, no on that one, Musics. Um, let me also close by saying on the Lafreniere thing, keep in mind this kid's 20 years old. There's gonna be plenty of time. Yeah, for him he's way too young. To... I, I I still think he's a point per game plus player. Right. Really this do. isn't this isn't the there's a reason why, by the way, when people point to say, for instance, the NFL draft, the NFL draft, everybody goes, Oh, well, that guy's a bust after one year. Well, that guy's 21, and Lafreniere wouldn't even be eligible for the NHL draft yet. Kaka would yeah. barely be eligible. The NHL draft and the NBA drafts are plug and play, though. That they're those are a little different. The NHL draft and the MLB draft, it, it, to kind of go f- and further the point, those drafts are harder to kind of predict, and you you see less professional ready level players at that point. But again. No, for, well, no two picks, regardless of draft position, are ever equal. I mean, with that said, aside from Crosby, um, McDavid, Ovechkin. Well, who, yeah, first overall, who really yeah, came out and had a really good year? Right, Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane at seventy-two points. I mean, I think Matthews forty goals. His rookie year. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, he had four in his first game. That yeah, helped. Four in his yeah. First game. yeah. 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 And and I think four in his first five shots too. A lot of the other like recent. Well, not. It's getting a long time since they recent. A lot of like first overall picks come in and only score around you know forty or fifty points. I think Tavares had fifty four his rookie year. Yeah. Um, Nail Yakupov obviously didn't have a lot of success. Nugent Hopkins. Was yeah, like, he had, all of his success came in his first season. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically, yeah, a lot. So, ba- uh, more than more than not, first round picks, first overall picks, don't really light it up their first year. There's only been a few. Well, guys develop, and that's the thing. You're gonna have to develop them, get them. Coaches are different. Yeah, it, it, then it's gonna be where do they fit in the coach's scheme? Where do they fit with? Uh, their players that are their teammates. There's there's lots of things. Uh, Phil hit the nail on the head before. Nate McKinnon took off when two things happened. More responsibility got on his plate from when Matt Duchesne got moved and a lot of that attitude left. And the other thing is he had Mika Ranton in next to him. That, that's pretty well, damn good. Ranton was developing too. That's another thing. I mean, it, it sometimes it's right place, right time. And it, it, it's the, also the coaching. Jared Bednar has been really good for Colorado. I mean, if you want to talk about underrated coaches that can kind of get lost in the shuffle because of the talent that they have on their team, yeah. I, I got to say Jared Bednar is one of them. Yeah. yeah. But I can, tell you, I can tell you this. I don't think Shane Wright's going to come into the league next year and have a 70-point year for Arizona. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> If he does. Again, if he though, does, yeah, that's, that's a different story in general. But also, usage. That's another thing we're overlooking here. Usage. Yeah. Uh, Alexi Lafreniere yeah. has – barely gotten top six minutes i know they tried him there to a point and he didn't look great there but we're number one power play time yeah n- no power play time so you're not building this kid's confidence by putting him in the right situations to succeed at least david quinn didn't gerard gallant seems to have a better understanding although i'd rather see him on power play one over ryan strom i, I, I like we've been like beating that drum for a while but ryan strom's a right hand shot on the right side boards you need another. You need another good left hand shot in Ryan Strom's position. If if not him, Capocaco should be there. But again, yeah. that's why. But that's why you had some videos. I'm not going to say or opinions that are. Uh, I'm not going to say the opinions idiotic, the arguments idiotic because the all these things haven't happened yet. But when you're hearing Lucas Raymond's going to be better than all of them, no. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I know what you're talking time. about. I saw, I saw that. Yeah, it. I, I know exactly who you're talking about. And, oh yeah, but I'm, but I'm not knocking his video. No, I know you're not knocking his yeah. video. And I, I, I agree. It, it, it's sort of a fire starter, clickbaitish type video. Like, yeah. And you know what? Fine. You know what? You, you're, you're Hell, I, I, I would have made it if I thought I could get thirty thousand clicks. Yeah, exactly. No, I know. Listen, I'm, I'm not, again, not knocking that. But now, by yeah. the way. Uh, we've, I said before, we brought back, uh, honest press conferences this week. We want to bring it back a little bit more. We're going to bring back my Philkin opinion. Then there's no, I'm looking at you. I'm going to hear the name and I'm going to get PTSD. But the cream rise to the top for you. Yeah, I look really fat in that. Holy shit. The Ovechkin era begins tonight, complete with an assortment of games. Ah, uh, some kills. I was about to say someone's watching the game. Right now. Yeah. First game. Uh, or something. Somebody thought something. Uh, and, uh, you want to hit mute? Oh shit! Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You might, you might want to mute that, Anth. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, uh, this was something I had piled up and ready to go a couple of weeks ago, but um. The Slewfoots in this game have got to go. And uh, I, I just wonder why P.K. Subban got absolutely nothing for what he did to Ryan Reeves, then again to Sammy Blay, but he got fined for Trevor Zegers. But Brad Marchand gets 
three games. And, and Brad Martian absolutely should get three games. Like they, I think he should have actually got more. I think they should have given him five because he's got a history of it, even though he hasn't really been suspended for it. But um, this is one of the most dirtiest, most dangerous plays in all of hockey. I think it is the most dangerous, honestly, to tell you the truth. And the reason why I say that is because you look at Joe Pavelski and what happened to him a couple of years back in the playoffs. And that wasn't a slew foot, but he fell, he lost his balance, and his helmet was loose. So it came off, and he ended up hitting his head on the ice. And that's not good at all. You don't want to see that happen at all. But this play has got to be punished with absolute severity. And I, and I understand that you can't just go, oh, it's automatic. It's got to be something that's carefully reviewed. And you know what? It, it, it it's a dangerous situation because you can really change someone's career or possibly even their life if it ends up going wrong. And someone like Subban, and I, I'm going to disagree with this, David. It, it was obvious because anyone who's actually ever played ice hockey and who's, who's ever tried to stop on ice hockey knows that you don't swing your foot around unless you are a sub remedial level skater that does not know how to stop. So are you trying to tell me that PK Subban does not know how to stop? I, I mean, if that, if that's the case and that's a major problem for PK Subban, but PK Subban has a history of this and he should have been suspended further for what he did. But Brad Marchand, he got suspended. I, I would have given him personally five just because he's got a, He's got a reputation of being a dirty player that not only does slew foots, but low bridges as well. But at least they, they got Marchand, I would say, but they've got to do a better job at, at, at cracking down on these because it seems like players are continuing to do them. They're, they're popping up with more frequency and the NHL has needed to do a better job on these for a very long time. I don't know if you remember 2010, 2011, that back and back, that back to back against Pittsburgh, where Crosby slew footed uh, Callahan and Dubinsky in back to back games. Yep. And then Dubinsky ripped them apart in the media for it. Yeah. So um, it, it's it's got to go. Enough is enough. Uh, and I, I have this bad feeling that it's they're not going to get stri as strict as they should be with it until someone gets very very hurt, and that's what we want to avoid here. And, you know, it's not just those guys, because as I was looking that up, Kevin LeBanc was also suspended recently for a slew foot. It's, it's stuff that it, it needs to be – we're worried about diving. Get all these things out of the game. Uh, LeBanc uh, suspended one game for a slew footing Tyler Bozak because it's very easy to either give somebody a concussion, uh, break their ankle, uh, break a leg. It's, it's just – there's so many extra factors that are in there, and – I brought this up before because when Colin Campbell originally took over in NH in as NHL Dean of Discipline, and I think it was vice president of the NHL as well, Bill Berg was lost to him in the playoffs in 97 over a slew foot. And he wanted. What? Well, it kicked me out. I don't, I don't, I don't know what happened there. That definitely wasn't me. No, I know. Sometimes it just happens. Yeah, but anyway, weird. Bill Burke, Bill Burke was kicked out, uh, was lost to them for the playoffs in uh, 97. And since then, Campbell made that an emphasis. 
Then they focus on I mean, everything happens all the time. They always focus on different things, obstruction or um, they wanted to get slashing out of the game. They weren't they worry about interference. Slewfoot's got to go. I mean, Slewfoot's are pretty pretty much there. And you know what? Um, just to go back to the comment before, I thought at first that Subban was just turning until I looked at that replay again, and he's sticking his foot out. Yeah, in the corner. You don't. You never stick your foot I, out at the corner. Not, like not that. only that, but you don't stick your foot out when you when you're trying to stop. Right. Like you're you you pivot like this. Yeah. And turn. There's the old no, uh, sitting in a chair. No swing around. Yeah, you're turning and sitting in a chair. Uh, that old metaphor on that. That's it. And he's he wasn't. He, I and again, I thought at first he was trying to turn, but he wasn't. And so he sticks no. his foot out, basically breaks Sammy Blaze foot either because of that or from that so it's just no get these guys gotta they gotta they gotta get punished and again i as i said before i can't wait till pk suban's in the broadcast booth because he's going to be a hell of a broadcaster and a great representative for the nhl but he's as as far as as far as the defenseman goes it three things are guaranteed death taxes pk suban is a slew footy people so yeah no, yeah, you, you can't have that. You can't. You, and what happens when one of these guys are, are seriously injured? What happens when somebody slew foots McDavid? Yeah, that's when you're really going to see it. Someone slew foots McDavid, and then you're that's what it's going to take. And, and and you know what's funny? It, it's and I got into it with somebody on Twitter, and they were talking about protecting star players and how they protected Artemi Panarin. No, they, they don't. Artemi Panarin is not a Connor McDavid. Nope. And that's the type of player that you're going to need to have one of these incidents happen to in order for them to really start cracking down on all this. Or somebody's going to have to get really hurt, and the NHL is going to have no choice because it's going to be something that's going to be all over the place all over ESPN, which would be bad PR for them to have uh, a life-altering incident like that. And let me go with let, let me go with an incident that happened on ESPN. Um, as a matter of fact, it happened, I believe, on ESPN, and ESPN had covered it for a little bit, and then the NHL went away from that. Todd Bertuzzi, the Todd Bertuzzi incident. Happened on ESPN. JD's getting interviewed every five minutes about it. And even JD says this could possibly be with a with a lockout going, the longest suspension in NHL history. And by amount of days, it was because Pertuzzi had to reapply to go back to the league. It's just no, we 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 don't need this. And God help us if we see it at a Stanley Cup final and that changes around things. It's it's a dangerous play. Get it out of the game. Yeah, and that, that's it. It, it. There's just there's no need for it. It's a dirty play. There, there's there's nothing there's nothing to defend someone like PK Subban. And, and you know what? I, I see, I see. And you guys are right. You know, he he's a talented player, and it, it's just it's a dirty play. There's no need for it. And for a guy who does all these videos of all these skating drills of him starting and stopping. I've never seen him once throw around his leg when he's trying to stop. So don't tell me it's a it's something that creeps into his game, like uh, Tim Peel said on and, Twitter. And no, it. and and by the way, just to go with this one, uh, Subban's a dirtier player than Wilson and gets away with it. He doesn't get away with it. He's rewarded. He won a a Norris Trophy in 2013. 
it, it, it drives me crazy. And again, I'm not saying, and again, PK Subban has a world of talent, even still in the later stages of his career, but there was no need for any player to be doing this all the time, unless you literally cannot play defense at this league because you, 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 you can't be knocking people's feet out all the time. It's, it's, it's basically the equivalent of when Chris Paul used to run by players and punch them in the balls. Yeah, it, it's it, it's just that. But guys, what do you think about Slipfoots? Think they're creeping up all around the league? After all, three players have been suspended now this year because of them. Uh, is it something that we need to get rid of? Throw it all down in the comments below. Like, share, and subscribe. Once again, uh, so we're going to get rid of these this banner. Uh, get back the ticker in a second. But we're also going to get to taking your questions right now. Um yeah, By the way, hi, Jack. Hard. I just saw you just come on a second ago. Yeah, hey, Jack. How's it going, man? Speaking about people we're hoping to come back on and return, we hope Anthony will be with us again in a moment. I'll go but back that's... up to what we were doing over here um, and because this is a really good question that I wanted to get in before we started that. Um, do you think that Drury and or Gallant were right in keeping Hunt around and not Kravtsov given how well Hunt has played? Listen, Dryden Hunt's playing a lot better as of late. But the way that they handled that situation was so piss poor. And yes, Kravtsov is not free of blame. Him and his agent, Dan Milstein, did not help this situation out. But the Rangers have mishandled him. Chris Drury, it's now known that Chris Drury berated him in front of the entire Hartford Wolfpack team when he exercised his opti- his, uh, his KHL clause a couple of years back when he went back to Russia. So th- Chris Jury needs to be better with handling players. Uh, as, a, as a professional sports executive, one of the requirements of your job is to be able to handle different personalities and players because every player has a different personality from the next. And they did not handle this situation well. And I expect more of a professional sports franchise than I do of an 18, 19, 20-year-old that has an agent in his ear. You know, should the agent have been better for him? Sure. But this organization has had several players have gripes against it in the last two to three seasons. And that's concerning to me. So I, 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 I definitely don't think that they, uh, I definitely don't think that they've handled that well. Yes. Dryden Hunt has played well, but how better would this team be if Vitaly Kravtsov was in the lineup and was productive? I asked this question about him. What if Vitaly Kravtsov was in this lineup? They, they put him in the first spot and but they didn't give them power play time because they got to give it to Kako Lafreniere Heedle Truba and Miller for the second unit or Lundqvist either one and would he get frustrated and just say if he's not producing and then gets knocked down to the fourth line and then go AWOL because that's not not in his past already I agree with you though Chris Drury should have handled this a little bit better. You were a former captain, especially of the New York Rangers. Yeah. You're going to have to interact with guys. 
you already do interact with guys. Now, as an executive, there, especially when you're the president, there's only one person above you. That's Jim Dolan. Kako's not free of blame. I would have rostered Kako. Yeah, exactly. Not bothered protecting Hayek. Why? Why? That's like uh, there's there's a car across the street from my house right now. Hasn't moved in three years, minimum, since I've been here. And yet somebody broke the window in it recently and they put a they put a garbage bag over it. Why? You're not even moving the damn car. Got four flat tires. That's basically Weaver Hayek. <laughs> like, you know what the scary part is? Is that's accurate. It's accurate. Yeah. I mean, Weaver Hayek has as much future with the New York Rangers organization as I do. Okay, Dave. You you I'm not I'm not saying that he would. I, I I'm giving you a hypothetical. But who's to say he wouldn't be productive in that role? He had two goals and four points playing with Brett Howden in fourth line minutes last year. You, yeah. You're telling me that he couldn't do that again? Well, one of or those goals, one of his goals was with Panarin uh, when yes. they put him on the second unit. Yeah. And yes. the other and the other goal was with Brett Howden. And there was a third goal that he had that Lindy Ruff decided to yank. So, yeah. I mean, but then again, he showed why they should have because they made a game out of it at the end. But the original, um, but the original point is this one, and, and and Jack's point is the point that I've made before. It's bad asset management. That's what it comes down to. There's no reason why you should be trying to get anything for Libor Hayek over the development of a top ten pick, who is your number two prospect in the organization. There's no need. There's just no need, and they mishandled it. They mishandled it terribly. And this team, they mishandled Leas Anderson. There was a problem with Capo Caco, which thankfully they're, they're getting it right. There's mm-hmm. been issues with the way that they've handled Alexi Lafreniere. Philip Hedel voiced his frustration with David Quinn last year. Julian Gauthier voiced his frustration with David Quinn. Where, where does it end? When when is it a boy that cried wolf situation with this team? When does the team start to take the blame? Well, That's also it goes back to what we're talking about about learning how to be a pro. So a little bit of that's on the player, but also it's communicating to the player at all times. Here's where Quinn was actually good with that. At times, not a lot. At times, he explained to Buchnevich what he wanted out of him. It took three years to get through to him, and then eventually it did. And now Buchnevich flourished into a 20 goal scorer in a short season and then by that time had to get out so it's just it's it's just i that's the some players flourish in those situations i i can imagine them inviting him back especially if there's an injury uh kratzoff is in the lineup in march when the khl season ends and we'll see where it goes from there but who's to say that dryden hunt isn't the right call to begin with. Yeah. And, and, and that's fair because he's playing well. It, it just is what he's doing sustainable. And if so, how long is he going to be able to sustain this for? Where does he go after that? If, if he's not, if it's not sustainable, I mean, the way that he's playing right now would indicate that he could at least be a very good fourth liner and that, and that's good. They need a player like that there. But I mean, again, it's early. We'll see, but but again, it's one of the things one of the things that I thought that was so alarming about the Kratzoff situation. We were sitting here scoffing about it. 
when they re-signed Mika Zibanejad, somebody, I think it was uh, Granny that brought it up. What do you think if, uh, if they cut uh, Kratzoff? And I, my answer was, you're cutting Kratzoff, you're cutting, you're releasing him because he's going to go back to Russia. And then that's exactly what happened. So I thought they weren't going to do it. And then they did it. And he went back to Russia. Um, <laughs> I got a good one for you right over here in a second. But uh, uh, I know which one you're going to. Yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, it's it's just the it, it, it you knew it was going to happen. Then why do it? You're you're better off trying to keep the player and keep him happy than sending him off. And look, it's working out now. But the uh, the thing that alarmed me was Gerard Gallant's input on it. He signed. He must have signed off on this. It wasn't Chris Drury saying, "Get this guy out of here." It was just, you know, we need this player over this player. And if Gerard Gallant was one of those guys that thought the Rangers should keep Libor Hayek over Vitaly Kratsov. Uh, then something, something was definitely up. And by the way, yes, if he was at rookie camp, maybe that would have helped. Yes, if he wasn't injured in play, in the preseason, that would have helped. There's a lot of other factors. And again, some of it's Kratzoff. Communication, but, Communications are such a big thing. It seems like for, the, it seems for three years now, three seasons in a row now, that there's just been piss poor communication with this player and his, his camp. And, and he's and got that, a new agent. APB. John, yeah, you're right. APB for Lever Hayek. Yeah, I think I think there's more of a chance. Uh, there's more of a chance that I suit up first than yeah. Lever Hayek. So, so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a wild guess that this one is the one that you were looking uh, to highlight for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I the only thing I can really say is he's played better. He's played a hell of a lot better away from the puck. He looks like he's more. He looks like he's more invested in games now. He's engaged. He's he's in on the forecheck. When Chris Kreider plays like this, he's playing his best hockey, and, and that's what you need from him every night. That's what I've been asking for, and he's finally starting to give that. And you know what? He's getting rewarded with all these damn deflection goals. I think he has one goal this season in which he's put a shot on net. One goal. Yeah, think about that. It, it, uh, it, it, I think there's two. I think it, well, there was the one against this is a, this 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 is where it gets it gets it gets bad because I think the one against the Islanders was a shot. The one against the Canadians was a shot. Okay, so there's three then because I think he has one against Columbus too that was a shot. Yeah, he had one against Columbus that was a shot, but is the he's he feeds off at deflections so, and yeah. he's doing it in the new NHL style, which is not in front of the goaltender. Like Adam Graves used to do it, or the way I do it, it's just well, yeah. I mean, and that that's great though. I mean, if he's getting to these these locations just off the side and getting these tips and these weird angles, that just adds another dimension to his game offensively, and 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 that's good. That's really good because you 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 need that because it, it, it he's doing something right by getting into the right spots at the right times. It's just what I was asking for from him was just the other part of the game. And Chris Carter had the most Chris Carter start to the season. He was getting goals in games where he wasn't really doing anything otherwise, but it was just like the one little moment where he was in the right spot at the right time. And he got the damn deflection or the power play goal. And you know what? And, and that helped them win those games. Yes. But 
what would have helped them win those games more convincingly was if Chris Kreider would have been Chris Kreider of the last, I don't know, five to 10 games that he's right. And, and also, as I said, I, in my comment on uh, Philks, the good, the bad, the ugly, check it out tonight, by the way, after the game, the, the, the fact that he even tried the, the Michigan move was, was that's showing how much confidence that he's playing with right now. Oh yeah. He's, he's still a good two-way player for the Rangers. And if he, this, if this is the Chris Kreider that we're getting, and by the way, here's another thing about the Rangers right now. Mika Zibanejad has not really peaked yet at nope. all. Nope. And he if Mika Zibanejad start like... hit, we, we started to see with Panarin. We were all a little bit concerned about Panarin. Mika Zibanejad starts hitting his stride. This team could really be dangerous and very soon. Oh, yeah. But and, by and, the and... way, before before uh, before we move on to the next question or the next comment, I got to throw up a little bit of confetti. Because uh, what you guys may not know is that yesterday was... Philk's birthday. Yay. Yay. We actually, um, we actually had a bunch of surprises that we had for him for, uh, Oh, not hide the ticker. I didn't want to hide the ticker, but, uh, we had a bunch of surprises for him for, uh, the, the bar meetup, which I, I am sad to say that it did not happen. There will be other days, a little bit of a kick in the teeth. Still got an autographed Mika Zibanejad Jersey and autographed Dennis Poppin Jersey. Uh, an Iron Man bobblehead that that's showing he's a New York Islander. I mean, they could really use an Iron Man right now on that team. Uh, uh, all those, all the, all the nice little treats. It would have been great to meet up with everybody, but uh, Philk's birthday was yesterday. So go ahead, everybody. Wish him a happy birthday down in the comments below. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank you everybody. Girls too. Yeah. Um... I don't, I don't know if you all saw this. Um, I, I don't think it was posted in the Facebook group, but um, Mark, Anthony, and uh, uh, basically the, the commenter whose screen name is My Right Nut uh, came together and uh, they did, they got Marty San Luis to do a cameo video for me wishing me a happy birthday, which is one of the coolest things I've ever gotten as a birthday present. Um, if you saw my uh, editorial back in May about Marty San Louis and his mother's day goal. You know how much that run meant to me because it's home. I mean, having lost my mother 11 years in May before Marty's, I lost my mother in May of 2003 to cancer. So for, for me, Marty's run like really hit me in the feels and that mother's day goal was amazing. It was, it was a full goal, but you know what? It, it, it like you couldn't have scripted a story better to have Marty score that goal, and that was really the galvanizing point of that run. So um, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't, I, I can't, I can't put into words what that meant. That was awesome. Thank you guys so much. I don't know why our colors keep going back to yellow. I'm going to assume it's our resident prankster who's. Who's kind of hiding on me right now? Yeah, uh, he probably he's probably messing around with things right now. Oh, <laughs> well, he messed around with me pretty good me. last week. Um, although here's a little bit of addressing, uh, uh, partially disagree that Drury has much fault as uh, has been only one player who seems to be a positive attitude. Yeah, no. No, because if that was the case, why did Leah Anderson have his problem? 
Why did Filipino have his problem? Why did Julian Gogia have his problem? Why did uh, who else are we thinking of here? Capo Caco voiced his concerns in a Finnish publication about how he thought there, there was a problem in New York. Several problems or several players came out and have voiced their concerns about the organization, the way that they handle players. So I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Izzy, but that's you know what? Enough is enough. I, I stopped giving the organization the pass. They have not had a great history with developing players. So that's to me, that's it, it's got to stop. And thank you, John. I appreciate that. But we can all agree on this one. Yeah, I, yeah. we definitely all agree. We on don't that. see it in Lieber Hayek. I mean, yeah, I've said before, I'll say it again. And it's, and Brody, you got it on that one too. It's yeah. the Rangers management as a whole. They've had issues with their younger players. It's, you got to know how to navigate these people and, uh, well, these people you, you navigate people in general. Think about so this is- way. Like at, at Mark, you deal with all different types of people at your all job. the time. You you deal you deal with more different types of people, I think, than anybody at anyone's job. Like you you're 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 one person is never the same type of person as the next person that comes in, whether it's whether it's gender, whether it's race, orientation, creed, religion, political views, whatever. Doesn't yeah. matter. You come, you come across the cornucopia of people. You know how to handle that, and you know that you have to handle each one of them differently because they respond differently to the way that you deal with them. And that's how you have to be as a sports executive as well. Yeah. And I mean, look, with the uh the Tony D'Angelo thing, I think that's a little bit incumbent on the player. We all yeah. kind of saw something like that potentially happen with him one day. There's there's always the red flags, but then again, one of the guys, the guy that ended up punching him was Georgiev, and Georgiev appeared on his podcast all the time. But also, it, it goes with you have to be a professional every single day, and and go about this. You can have your extra stuff. You can be Tom Brady and have your radio show and stuff like this. But you gotta you you gotta be responsible to your team first. Like Tom Brady wasn't the backup quarterback with a radio show. He was trying to prepare, trying to do everything. And even when he won three Super Bowls, still didn't have a radio show. Had some endorsements. It wasn't until like his later years in New England. By that time, he's he's on his fifth Super Bowl win. He can do whatever the hell he wants then. Yeah, and like, part of that, though, is also probably the NFL pushing him behind the scenes because they know that they have a cash cow. They know this guy is, you know, Mr. Everything. He's a guy with a clean record, a guy that's never been in any such sort of legal trouble or, or criminal trouble or anything like that. So they're going to they're going to they're going to market the hell out of him. And, and rightfully so. That's like that's the type of guy you want to market. The Wayne Gretzky's, the Tom Brady's guys like that you know you're, you're michael jordan's even though michael jordan they, he had a little bit of controversy with him yeah it, it, yeah michael every, jordan, every player part, never really got into a whole lot of trouble but i mean it, 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 it there's a lot of pressure to do that can you imagine if tony d'angelo or never by tony d'angelo um get a guy a little bit more what's a what you know i i think the guy's gonna be a great broadcaster pk suban could you imagine if he was doing this show with us right now I mean, first off, by the way, thank you for the views, if that would be the case. But also, <laughs> uh, it, you'd be you'd have to criticize 
you, not only yourself, but your 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 for, your team, your current teammates, former teammates, contemporary players in the league. And then let's say you get traded to a different team. That's why I don't think I don't think active players should be should be doing radio shows and stuff like that. And that's been our podcast. That's yeah, been everywhere. Or you can do a podcast. podcast. Subban has his own podcast. And you know what? Feel you know, feel free to do whatever you can do. Uh, but I mean, if you're if you can balance it, then sure, by all means, go ahead, do it. And uh, I'm gonna make this clear right now because it's actually another good point from Jack. I'm not calling for Jury's job yet either. I'm not. I, I don't oh, no. start, but I don't think anybody should be calling for his head yet. Yeah, Although no, we're Chris, a long ways from calling for Chris Drury's head. Yes. Especially while the team's in third place with only four regulation losses on the season. Yeah, and listen, I I I I I'm not I'm not calling for Chris Drury's head. I'm I'm not even gonna say that Chris Drury has done a bad job. I it's too early to tell on any of those fronts. But the one thing I will say is that I am not happy with the way that he handled that situation. Like you, it comes down to being the bigger and better party in this case. Like when you, when, when you have a younger brother that goes and hits you and you know, you hit him back and then you get in trouble and he doesn't, what do your parents tell you? Be the bigger and better person, you know, and that, that's it. And that's what he had to do. And he didn't do it. So, but again, and, and this is a good point for Mike, where in spite of everything that's gone on with jury and, and back and, you know, behind the scenes and everything like that, we are winning right now. The Rangers, I yeah. say, uh, not to say we, because we're not, and, we're not actually playing, but the Rangers and, are yeah, we're not right part now. of the organization either. Yeah. No. Uh, but the, the one thing to say with that is yeah. And trusting Gallant, that's why there's more, because can you really say Drury's botching things when, I mean, some somebody had some hot take on Twitter about, oh, well, now Sammy Blay's done for the season. Good thing we wasted the Buchnevich trade. It wasn't about wasting the Buchnevich trade. And yes, it wasn't supposed to be where Kratzoff was, was not supposed to be. Kratzoff was supposed to come over and wow everybody, third-year player. But it's just, look, sometimes things work out and sometimes they don't. This is a time where something yeah. did not work out right. Which, by the way, will bring us back to this. Our previous general manager, John, you're right about this one. Uh, one of Jeff Gordon's moves that's not looking good is the Ryan McDonough trade. He has he has a few moves that are not looking good. Uh, I mean, the Ryan McDonough trade is one of them. I mean, the Jacob Truba contract doesn't look good at all. Um, no, uh, they, it was they, it was it was a no brainer at the time, and it was. I don't think it was a no brainer to give him eight million. I I, I think that's still too much. I, I do agree did. with you on that. Seven. Yeah. Seven might have been pushing it. I, I, I think you didn't have to bid against yourself, and that's what Gorton did. You yeah. didn't have to bid against yourself. Um, I, he's made some questionable moves, and not only that, but he, he got lucky with Adam Fox. Adam Fox wanted to come to New York. Artemi Panarin took less money to come to New York, and then he got two. He got two draft balls that went in his favor to get Kako and Lafreniere. So which, which offers the, the sorry wait finish your point for us. But I was gonna say, you know what? Without all of that, what does his tenure look like in New York? That's the question that somebody, and a matter of fact, I, I brought him up earlier. Um, Lega Rocks was talking about 
at one point. All right, was it him or was it uh no, it might have been hockey news, which we're beating them in views occasionally. <laughs> um but anyway, uh if let's say the Rangers don't win those lottery picks and they end up getting, let's say, Marco Rossi and Jamie Drysdale, how does this rebuild look? I mean, is it better or is it worse? Yeah, you, you know, maybe Jamie Drysdale comes in and he he's a great puck mover for them. And he's another great puck mover. Well, maybe not even Marco Rossi because Marco Rossi, they wouldn't have picked there in the, in the Lafreniere draft. What if yeah. they, they would have gotten picked at 11? What if they took Anton Lundell? Th- then you get a center then that you you've been waiting center. to get for maybe, a while. Maybe everything looks different. And Who Lundell knows? looks fantastic. It, yeah, it does look Anton. I tell you right now, I would love to have Anton Lundell because he's got a bunch of points and he's not even getting big offensive minutes. He's not getting power play time either. Yeah. And you know what? It, it's one of those things that I'm thinking, I'm kind of thinking the, the Jeff Gordon rebuild might have been a little bit sabotaged by winning those picks because then expectations go up. But then again, here's the thing. Gerard Gallant isn't the coach of the New York Rangers right now. David Quinn is because expectations don't rise with them. Maybe that's the case. Uh, Oh, no, this is the comment. Okay, uh, there it goes. The Mika Zibanejad trade. And and I'm going to – I'm actually going to – actually, it applies to all three of these. Jeff Gordon kind of fleeced some pretty stupid general managers in this. He fleeced... Wait a minute. You mean somebody would fleece Peter Shirelli? Yeah, I was going to say Peter Shirelli. And then you have Don Sweeney in Boston, who instead of taking Kyle Connor, Thomas Shabbat, and Matt Barzal, took Zach Senishin, Jakob Zaboral, and Jacob De... uh, Jake DeBrusque three picks in a row in 20, 2015, which set back the Bruins like five years, basically killing them. Now now Boston looks like they're trying to keep a window open that could be closing. And then the Mika Zibanejad tra- trade was Pierre Dorian, who has not been good in Ottawa as a general manager, and he fleeced him for Mika Zibanejad. And actually, the biggest thing about Mika Zibanejad in that trade was Mika Zibanejad didn't come around in New York until his third season when he started taking his off-season regimen seriously. Yeah. And he admitted that. There's lots of times where players don't click at their first thing. Um, I think it was Phil Esposito said one time that the him getting traded for Boston, even though it wasn't his first team, was one of the biggest shocks in his life. And Keith Hernandez always brought up that uh, – when you're first traded, it is one of the most devastating moments to you because you can't believe you're ever leaving an organization. But sometimes that clicks players mentally into the game. It lets you know, hey, they're giving up on me. Somebody else wants me. So maybe I got to go over there and 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 try harder, play better. Uh, there's so many well, extra James things. Miller. And James J- J- J.T. Miller, which is, it, by the way, while well, I was going to bring up Dave's for two reasons. Two, there are two comments I want to bring up right now. One is Dave's, because uh, to be fair, uh, to be fair, the Mac trade wasn't destined to look good, especially after throwing at J.T. Miller. And you're right about yeah. that. It wasn't. But J.T. Miller himself said that he really turned his career around when Tampa dealt him to Vancouver. That was when he started to take his off-season training and other things a lot more seriously as well. 
And sometimes that's what it takes. And then going over to this one, yes, I'm very much done with people complaining about the uh, JT Miller situation and uh, sorry, that JT Miller, the Pavel Buchnevich trade. And yeah, we I was I was on here trying to process that trade, Buchnevich or Sevi Blake. And then who explained it to us? Marty Biron. Is when he said that no matter what, you have to sign that player afterwards. I and get that, but, but here, here's here's going to be my counter here. If that's the case, why are you going and giving three point six million to Barkley Goodrell, and then another two seven five to Patrick Nemeth when you can go get a player like Barkley Goodrell, which the Rangers ended up doing in Dryden Hunt, who's been better than Barkley Goodrell, especially as of late, and you could go get. <laughs> a player like John Merrill for 875K, which is 2 million less than Patrick Nemeth. And and he gives you the same type of production. To me, that's bad cap management by Chris Drury. And you you went and you overpaid for a Stanley Cup winner, which kind of reminds me of the Mike Keene situation. And you went and overpaid for a number six, five, six defenseman who really isn't all that good. If you save the money on that, you could still have Pavel Buchnevich, who might have taken less than $5.8 million to be in New York. Five, five to five, maybe? You never know. It's it's one of those things, uh, as I just saw something, I have to go check on that in a second. But um, it's one of those things that, yeah, it it's... I think the thought was get tougher, get meaner. We got pushed around by Tom Wilson. And sometimes, I mean, organizations can get Tom tunnel vision. I mean, that happens all the time where you just go, oh my God. Think about the Rangers in the 90s. The Rangers in the 90s in 1995 were so focused on the, the Philadelphia the Flyers that they yeah, moved the sweep by the Flyers. Nedved for Robitaille and Samuelson. Right. So they focused on getting a team that can beat the Philadelphia Flyers and New Jersey Devils. And then and what next happened year, again 15 years later? And, well, it happened again. But also, by the way, they focused on, hey, we got to get a team to beat the Devils and and the uh, and the Flyers. Who did they get the playoffs in the very next year? The Montreal Canadiens and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Neither one of them were, were the teams that they were built no. to beat. And they got knocked out by the Penguins and had trouble with the Canadiens. The very next year... They get Wayne Gretzky. They get the Devils. They, they get all the teams that they thought they were going to get. They get the they get the Panthers. They get the Devils. They get the Flyers. They lose the Flyers in five games, and that that and series. Who did, who did, who did they get by the deadline to to uh, in in ninety seven? Who did they Tickenin get? Tikkanen and Russ Courtnall. Russ Courtnall. Yes, I was, that that was what I was going to say. Russ Courtnall was one of their deadline additions in in the nineteen ninety seven season. So that that didn't really fit. It seems like this team has a, a, a propensity to overreact to certain situations. And like I said, they did it again 15 years later after 1995. They lost that two-game set to Philadelphia. Well, they didn't lose it. They, they split it, but they lost the last game, and they lost it in a shootout. And when you, when you do that, you, you tend to overreact and make very irrational decisions. And the irrational decision that they ended up making was drafting Dylan McElrath over players like Vladimir Tarasenko, Cam Fowler, Evgeny Kuznetsov, 
Jaden Schwartz and others that they could have drafted. Which, yeah. which by the way, oh, and we'll get on that one in a second. Although that's us that put that that in there, but yeah. that's also why you can't look at the NHL draft and draft out of need because you don't know where this player is going to be in a few years. You could do that if you think you're going to get a guy this year. By the way, just to mention, uh, AZ, the Lingren is signed. There's 2024. He's got a $3 million uh, a year AAV. Um, which, yeah, by the way, saying AAV, that's who we're going to be taking on tonight, AAV. So, uh, yeah, Nemeth and Tenorti. Nemeth, not as much of a mistake as Tenorti is, but... Yeah, Nils is starting to come around. He looks good. Let's go back to this. Uh, what are your thoughts on the biting situation? Uh, that's not – it's classless. Classless. And it was Yarko Rutu, right? Yarko Rutu was another one who did that. Um, wasn't it um, – wasn't it Marchand who bit uh, – or no, it was Alex Burroughs who bit Patrice Bergeron in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah. That was another one. So yeah, uh, I I don't I don't care for that. I don't, I don't care what the situation is, unless he's unless Brady Tuchuk was actually trying to end his life. There's no reason for Brendan Lemieux to be biting him. It's classless. Right. And 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 then from that, there were some articles that were dug up or articles that were made. I should say that Brendan Lemieux did not have exactly a great following in uh, New York. And like Tony D'Angelo, he had his detractors, which I could totally see. I, I, I get it. But you know what? I didn't think Brendan Lemieux was all that great of a player. You know what? It, it, and he, he, has, just, he hasn't he has playing better in L.A. They, they said he looked completely lost at the end of last year. They said he's been playing a lot better right now than this incident happens. You know what? And, and good for him. And, and you know what? That's probably a testament also, again, to how Quinn was mishandling and micromanaging players. But you know what? That's gone. Lemieux is gone. I don't think Lemieux makes much of a difference on this team. I really don't. And oh, I hey. Like the this team has. And also on top of all the happy birthday wishes, you simmer down, you slim down a lot. of. <laughs> yeah, I was actually just about to address <laughs> that. Um, thank you both Chris and Gunto and Granny. Um, I've actually added some muscle. There's definition in my arms as well that I've had, that I've never really had before. Uh, my chest. I know I look slimmer. It's part of it is the t-shirt. I'm not going to bulk. I just really want to get toned out, maybe add uh, a few pounds of muscle. I'm probably about like 185 right now. Um, I was down from 235, so I've lost about 50 pounds. But um, I, I don't I don't really plan on bulking up much. 185 is usually my target weight every single time I start a diet. Yeah, I mean, that's my that was my target. No, I'm not taking off my shirt. That, that, <laughs> my beer gut is almost completely gone. There's still a little bit left to it, that that excess stubborn belly fat that's always hard to get rid of. There's a little bit of that left, but I, I definitely look a lot better with uh, my uh, shirt off than I did before. That's for I got to agree with Jack on this one, by the way. Uh, $3 million for Lingren. That's the wrong comment. Oh, sorry. Did somebody cut me in a comment? Yeah, it, 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 it's a it's definitely a uh, complete steal. I totally. Jack's been on the money. The, the, the last the last uh, good, bad, and ugly video I did, Jack was pretty much like in my head picking out things that I was going to say. So, um, prediction for tonight's game: I'm going to say Rangers four two. Uh, right. Yeah, I think four two is a good one. Um. Uh, fourth one. I'm not a big believer in the Flyers. It's not. 
Uh, and Carter Hart's also bounced back, but I just think if this if this Ranger team plays the way that they've been playing lately, and they're they're they key in on Joel Farabee and really limit his chances, I think they're going to end up winning that game. Yeah, I mean the Flyers are sort of an interesting thing. I, I still, I guess, still think AV is not exactly a fit there, even though no. he was he was good their first season. AV, you know what? I, I, he's not necessarily a French Pete DeBoer, <laughs> but he kind of is. His teams are usually great to start and then always regress, and they yeah, never really get better. It's always that first season where they always seem to play well, except for Vancouver. Vancouver got better as they went along with him. But yeah. Every, every team he's had since then, the Rangers was that way. Philly's and and an, underrated, way. an underrated Rangers team that he had was the 2017 Rangers. Uh, that team should have been a lot better. They should have, but they should have beat Ottawa. Well, uh, I, I part, of, part of why they didn't beat Ottawa was him. Was him. I mean, you, you put uh, Brady, Brady Shea is two goals. You're winning five, three. They get him, Brendan Smith, get one or two more shifts in the final 10 minutes. And you ride Ryan McDonough and Dan Girardi for two and a half minutes. Nope. Not a no, good idea. No. And then they put out stall with Girardi and that was really what killed them is yeah. they put out two defenders who couldn't handle the puck or move the puck well, and Ottawa just got all of them. Henrik Lundqvist was also not himself in that series. Uh, I, I I don't like to <laughs> lay blame on Henrik Lundqvist, but if you're going to tell me that Henrik Lundqvist was himself in that series, I have oceanfront property in Nebraska to sell you. Um, I'm going to defend Henrik a little bit on that one because there are, there are plays where he made diving stops and then somebody throws on the puck on the net like Cody Cece, and it goes in. And yeah, but he he let in he let in a few a, a, a more than I would say more than one or two soft goals in that series. The Eric Carlson goal, which was scored yeah. from like the goal line. Yeah, it hit him in the head. Goals I think I've ever seen him let up. And it, then it, the, it hit him the, in the head went in. And then the Kyle Turris overtime winner. I know Girardi once again fell because he has a habit of falling on overtime winners. Apparently, ask Justin Williams. Um, but the goal that he led up to Turris after Girardi fell was really very, very questionable. It just, it, it was, it was not a good goal. It was just, see you later, Gunton Granny. But don't um, worry, don't worry, Granny. We're going to be right behind you too because we're going to yeah, get set for this game in about yeah, another we gotta get 10 set minutes. For this game. I got to, I got to, I got to eat too. So, yeah. To Whoa. Hey, all right. You guys flickered on me a little bit, but that was uh, my monitor going for a second. Okay, yeah, but it just that was not not Henrik Lundqvist's best series. Like, I, I guarantee you, if you you ask Henrik about it, he would probably tell you that that was not his best series either. Well, I I tell you what, uh, Henrik will probably tell you he should have every goal because that's what he believes. Yeah. So, all right, so guys, we're actually going to sign it off right there. Enjoy the game tonight. I would actually love it if this happens. By the way, thank you, Dave. Five three Rangers, Mika Zibanejad, Hattrick, Panarin, and yeah, they talk about a but guy you know that what? needs That's, one. You know what? I would love to see the Zibanejad Hattrick with an empty netter, and I would rather see a goal from the third line and get in there, and uh, hopefully more to go. But guys, yeah, thank you very much for joining us. I'll start. Uh, this will be loaded on iTunes and Spotify for tomorrow. Uh, we're gonna. We're going to try to get as many of these videos out as possible. If you don't catch a Filk, Good, Bad, and Ugly tonight, there'll be an edited version tomorrow morning. So enjoy, and I will talk to you guys soon.
Everybody have a good night. Let's go Rangers. Let's go.